0: Reveille, reveille, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip.
1: This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show.
0: I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
1: Oh, oh, oh yeah. I mean, you, do, you just, you can hear it. You can feel it. The art is back in the building. It is Friday, June 24th, 2022. And this right here is the best damn combat sports show. Period. Yeah, it's morning combat. It's the BBC with the BDE on the ones and twos today, that American alpha himself, Brian Campbell. But you're not here for me, though, although I do believe you'll stay because of that. You're here for the guy next to me, the best damn combat sports analyst in the game today among people who refuse to actually compete in combat sports. He's a great man. His name is Luke Thomas.
0: I love the backhanded intros, BC. Nice to be here. How are you? Good, sir.
1: Very good, Luke, because I'm rocking AG1 in my morning combat glass while I'm wearing my morning combat factory town MMA shirt, while I'm drinking coffee out of my morning combat mug, while I'm contemplating wearing a very low-tea offering on my head, according to our producers. But, Luke, I'm fired up because the weekends here, Friday shows are always the best, Luke. Why? Why? Well, because I'm hosting, but number two, Luke, because we set the stage for a loaded combat weekend to come. So if you want to look like us and feel like us, why don't you go to morningcombat.store right now and have your say, put a little scratch down, you won't get itchy with this on you. It's top quality merch across the board. Get Luke's face, whatever you're into, just get it. But Luke, we're going to get it done in this episode today setting the stage for a must-see, lightweight clash atop UFC fight night. A really good Bellator card tonight, only on Showtime, Luke. We got PFL, BKFC, we got a lot of bullshit going on, right? I mean, there's a lot to talk about in this game. We'll do fan subs, we'll do dead wrongs, and if you want to watch Bellator tonight, and why wouldn't you, why don't you stream it for free right now? You got 30 days to try it out. Go to Showtime.com, get the stream, get the app, okay? Get it on your cable package, whatever you want, however you want to get it. Just get it, thirty days free, pound sand at the end, and make your decision. But you know, after getting a little taste of the box, the MMA, the the, the docs, you know, you know where you're going to end up. Luke Thomas, w- when we talk about this weekend ahead, give me a one to ten excite level. Ooh, um,
0: ten being ten being you have a phoner. Seven or an eight, something like that. Okay, okay. Um, you know, I'm browsing the front page of RedTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't clicked on anything, but there's some interesting things I've seen in the thumbnails, you know?
1: Yes, 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 yes. You're on the drop-down menu for the category breakdown. You're like, I, do I need a third person? I, do I need an old woman watching? I don't know. I don't know what I need, but uh, I need something. Yeah, I need help. There you go.
0: No, uh, it's, look- it's it's not it's not. UFC 276 has title fights and, like, it's, you know, the biggest fighters in the game and stuff like that. So it doesn't have that, but, like... Short of having the most significant kinds of fights in the the sport, it's got something right next to it, and that's pretty great. Yeah, and tonight, don't
1: forget, we got uh, Britton Beltran, Beck Rawlings part two, Luke. Okay, so uh, yeah. Who won the first
0: gr- one? Uh, Beck Rawlings by five-round split decision, but Luke, bro, it was Britt- You are the official BKFC historian. I don't know anyone in my orbit who gets as horny for BKFC as um, you do.
1: Brent Brookhouse of CBS Sports does. Now, I don't know for the horny part, but for the, uh, like, he just, this is his product. He loves this stuff. He knows it. Uh, no, Luke, the first one, it was Breton Hart, Beltran's, you know, debut in this, in this art form. So uh, she's looking to run that back. We'll get into that later. Luke, um, we talked about liking the show, subscribing, because what we're doing here is building something monumental. I mean, we win big awards in these parts, and it's not necessarily because of Luke and myself, BC. It's because of the fans who back us, vote for us, and because of that, Luke, next week, UFC 276 International Fight Week, Las Vegas, Friday, July 1st. We want to give it right back to these fine folks with a live, reminder, live show. After the ceremonial UFC 276 weigh-ins around 5 p.m. Pacific time, outside the doors of T-Mobile Arena, don't forget, we'll be at Beer House. Luke, BC, Mikey Morms on the ones and twos, uh, Gaff will be there. We got a lot, all of our, all of our all-stars will be there. Uh, Luke... We can say without knowing what it's going to look like or taste like that this is going to be something special, correct? You've done these before there. You've done this.
0: I've done them there before. you. Yeah, I did a show there with uh, Misha Tate. I did a show. Actually, you know, it's funny. The day after uh, Izzy beat Brad Tavares, he actually showed up from his hotel room, rolled in, and uh, sat down with us for almost a full hour. I, I nice. It was a great day. So... Um, I don't know if we're gonna get Izzy this time, obviously, but yeah, it's a fun atmosphere. It's gonna be packed on the strip, dude. Don't miss it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And by the way, BC, this is the best part. We're not charging tickets. All you gotta do no, is just roll no, up. No, just no. roll up right you know, to the bar. Leave. The, I think leave everybody's the got a out. got
1: a live show that weekend in our, you know, of our brethren in the MMA space. But <laughs> you already know we're the best. You know what I mean? I mean, how many more people have to tell you? Come find out for yourself. Live on the air. DMs from donks. In-person edition, we'll spin the wheel, we'll do whatever the other ideas the other shows steal from us. We'll do it all, Luke, okay? So come, relax, there it is. Luke, I also wanted to add, when you subscribe to the show, it's not just our three live episodes a week, or our post-fight Saturday night instant analysis is, analysis, analysis-i. You get some prime content, youtube.com slash morningcombat, if you go there right now, okay? Luke and BC, a watch-along for parts one and two there of the Max Holloway-Alexander Volkanovsky rivalry. There's jokes, there's legitimate technical breakdown, and Luke, you and I rescore all ten rounds of those first two fights. Interesting exercise we went through there.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. You always pick up something new, you always see it slightly different, especially with the passage of time, you know, you can kind of reflect on everything that's happened since then and with the two fights the guys have had um uh since then so it would be obviously for Volkanovski as title defenses and then for Max it'd be Yair and uh Cater but yeah it was a fun little exercise you can score right, right along with us there's a round timer so you can play it with us at, at the if you want to do that as well but I enjoyed it we should do more of them I think people liked it
1: yeah they want us to re-examine other kind of close-ish could have gone either way fights you know John Jones Dom Reyes fights like that again I'd be into that for sure Luke also in our bonus department Don't miss the resume review on one Max Holloway. Why? Because, look, we're talking about Max, right? We're talking about one of the greatest fighters in the sports history, one of the greatest resumes in the the damn land. And also, Luke, I was thinking about this yesterday when I was mowing the lawn, right? I was pushing the lawn mower old school style, because my rider's broken. Um, If Max Holloway isn't in your top five of favorite fighters, like, like legitimately there's something wrong with you. Like no 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 joke. Like there you need to look in the mirror and re examine your life choices and why you are the way you are. He's like a damn superhero. Like he's an automatic fan favorite, first vote hall of famer. But there's a lot of like reasons why. And and we we had a fun time living that journey over again, Luke. I love Max Holloway. I love him.
0: Yeah, he's a special guy with a special skill set who's done, as we said, I think at the beginning of the video or at some point in it, or maybe it was the resume review, right? Because we did that one as well. You can check out both. But he's he's a, he's a Hall of Famer already, whether or not he wins the title next Saturday, which by the way, he, he well might, which would only cement the case. But he's done incredibly special things, and uh, it's, it's a joy to be able to cover that guy's career. It's a privilege, quite frankly. So here we are. Dude, he's...
1: He's great to chat with. He's a he's a he's a good dad. Like there's a lot to like with the guy even though I've kind of picked against him nearly every step of the journey. Hey, we'll see what happens next week and who we're picking ahead of that trilogy fight. But don't miss any of our bonus content. Luke's got good interviews with Danny Sabatello, Johnny Eblen. They're both in tonight's Bellator 282 card that's going to stream only on Showtime, 9 p.m. Eastern is the main card. Like us, like the people that back us, drink some AG1 along with me. Maybe it'll turn back the tide of Luke. By the way, this is how old I am, okay? I'm the lawn yesterday after work. I'm, you know, I'm panting because it's like hot as balls everywhere, but even in Connecticut right now, I drink a half glass of wine after dinner. You know, why it's like, here you gotta try this. You'll like this. It won't hurt you that. I wake up with a pounding hangover. Just, a, just someone just banging on the door of my skull. Luke, it's not fair.
0: Are you dehydrated?
1: I, I, I don't think I was. I mean, probably in, in medical terms, but I, I did pound water throughout and afterwards. But just what, like that, you just, you wake up in such a, like, there's nothing to feel the rest of the day, but damn, I'm an old piece of shit.
0: Maybe you have the ho virus, you know what I'm saying? Just being a ho.
1: Alright, and like those hoes, Luke, I ain't loyal, so always remember that in the back of your mind. Uh, Luke, unless you got any other good uh, brain teasers or, or one-liners, let's let's start the show. You ready for let's
0: this? Let's do it, bro. Let's do it.
1: Alright, this weekend is loaded in a in a level way, but they're pretty damn good fights, and maybe, seriously, among the best of this group is the UFC on ESPN Fight Night main event. It goes down in the uh, apex in Las Vegas, and talking about the future of the lightweight division right here, Armand, Sarukayan, Sarukian, Armon. Armand, Armon Hammer here, as far as I'm concerned. This Armenian Hammer going up against a different breed from Poland, but a Hammer indeed, And Matius Gamra. Dude, Luke, I tried so hard not to just butcher the names, and I butchered them both back-to-back, but you already know what I'm about. Uh, Luke Thomas, in terms of what this fight is about, as we speak, Caesar Sportsbook... Armand Saroukian, minus 280 favorite. Mateus Gamrot, plus 235. We know what's at stake. We know that this is one of those hardcore fans, just dream matchups. I want to find out right now which direction both are going. Who's more alpha? Who's more man? So here's my key question to kick it off to you, Luke. Who will have the edge grappling in this case? And is there potential that it cancels them out? Because when you watch tape on both, they can do it all. But holy shit, they can do it all, chasing a, a high single leg and just grinding you into the dirt.
0: A high single leg? You mean a high crotch, high C? Yeah,
1: but well, I mean uh, it's also a single leg because I'm using the leg and the and the shaft and just you know, yeah. I mean, yes, look, you dude, can do certainly it. transition yeah. from
0: the high crotch to the single leg. But to answer the question, that's really the, that dude. That's that's not just a question you can ask about this fight. That is the question you have to ask. About this fight. There's really, I mean, again, someone could come out, throw a punch, not see it coming, and the fight gets over in 30 seconds. But in all likelihood, right? In all likelihood, the most important consideration here is what is going to happen when they begin to wrestle. Um, fight Metrics, Richard Mann put out an article yesterday going through some of the stats. They're not really worth going through here for that purpose, but the basic insight is Gamrot goes for a lot of them and gets a lot of them. He has a consistent kind of drum beat of getting takedowns. The knock on that is, A, he doesn't get them very efficiently, although that's really not the most important one. It's something worth paying attention to, but but not the major consideration. The major consideration there is when he gets them, he doesn't necessarily do a whole lot with them. So he's able to accrue a lot of time going for the takedowns, securing it at least for a moment or two. He, he does have some control time. It's actually Saryukian who has less takedowns than him, although still a very high number, but he does a lot more with them a he keeps control time a little bit more and b and this is much more significant he actually does some decent ground and pound with it in fact in some cases some very good ground and pound with it this really is the central question is gamrot going to be able to either a get him down or b let's say get some takedowns but not do a whole lot with it or is sorry gonna turn the tables get the takedowns and do something with it or bc are both of those going to cancel each other out and they end up having a bit of a slugfest? And this is the other part to remember as well. It's not a three-round fight. It's a five-round fight. Yes. With a wrestling-heavy game plan that Gamrot typically brings to the cage, what happens if he does have some success in the first or second round, starts to fade in the third, and what if Sir Yuki comes on the fourth and fifth? Again, these are just sort of you know um, ideas. I don't really know exactly how it's going to play out. But I do wonder... In a modern MMA game against an opponent who also has good wrestling, how valuable is it to have good takedowns without much behind it? And I would say that the the returns on that have always been pretty diminishing. They're very diminishing these yeah,
1: days. Yeah, I mean, that's why they cancel each other out. That's why you see fights like Phil Davis, Ryan Bader, too. And, you know, some of the moments we've seen in Covington versus... Uh, Usman, although obviously we saw some good action for most of those stretches, um, I think they're pretty even across the board, Luke. In most categories, that's why we love this fight so much. can so a little bit more battle tested at the highest level, of course. This win streak he's put together since that first UFC defeat to Islam Mahachev has been impressive, but in a shorter window, so has Gamrod. You know, I mean, his UFC debut, he loses to your boy. Uh, I'm not going to, br- you know, I'm not going to brutalize the name. Kuteladze, Luke.
0: Kuteladze. Okay.
1: Yeah, and it was a split decision loss, Luke, in which Gamrot would later say, I, I know now I didn't have the stamina then to, to to come over the top and beat him. And dude, that, that, let's not forget, even Stipe Miucic had to learn that lesson in his first five-rounder against Junior Dos Santos. It happens. So I set it up that way to say, although the edge and experience on this run is all Saruyuki and no, no debating, who do you think has grown more from that first loss to kind of put any errors or, or vulnerabilities behind
0: them? Ooh, now that's tough. Um I think Saryukian has grown more well-rounded. I'll say that. I definitely feel like both guys are very good fighters. Both guys are top prospects. Both guys can give anyone inside that, you know, certainly the the eleven to fifteen space uh, a very difficult fight and probably even higher than that. But I don't Gamrot might have here's here's what I here's what I think is true, and I guess we're gonna have to see. But my hunch BC is that Gamrot tightened up some of the deficiencies in the existing style that he had. Saryukian to me. Probably tightened up some of those as well, but did more to fully develop the well-roundedness of his game. Another interesting point about this is, neither guy takes a lot of damage. Saryukian takes a comically low amount. Less than two strikes per minute is ever landed on him. That's extremely low. And so part of that is obviously the way in which he has some control and has good ground and pound. The other part is he just, for the most part, makes pretty good decisions about, you know, when to engage, when not to engage. And you saw in his last bout, and actually the two previous bouts, I would argue, You saw a little bit of a development in his overall striking arsenal. That, to me, is a development. So it's not like neither guy learned from the loss previously. It's not like neither guy didn't get better. I definitely feel like both of them got better. I feel like Gamrock got better on not not the same path, but the kind of overall thing he was already in on, whereas Saryukian tried to branch out a little bit. Now, that could get you into trouble too, BC, because you can start to branch out and still not have it all worked out, and then the other part of your game becomes lacking. These are tough choices to make for a young fighter in terms of how you want to get better. But I do think if you believe in the ultimate upside of Saryuki and his overall, I would say probably a better athlete, although that remains to be seen as well, um, it probably does make sense for him to do more in the stand-up department to really get his game to the next level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's well said. And, and, it's, and it illustrates why we love this so much. There, there's two fighters seemingly in the same place, both about to break out, both have learned from a tough loss against you know really good competition, but, you know, it's like you can say nothing about the run Saryukin's. He's won five in a row since that Mahachev lost. And after a couple, after three decisions, he stopped his last two, including that Joel Alvarez one that was, you know, it just shows the destruction power and the potential. But, damn, Gamrot bounced back huge from that initial split decision loss to your boy there. Because, look, that, that second-round knockout of Scott Holtzman showed the power. That, like, 65-second submission of Jeremy Stevens showed, like, oh, shit, man, he's kind of next level down there on the ground, too. And then he you know, stomped a hole through Carlos De- Diego Fajeda, Luke. So it's been explosion after explosion for this guy in a row to try to figure out who has the brighter ceiling or who you know, is more likely to score a sensational finish here. Uh, I think, once again, it's, hard to, it's certainly hard to answer that. But you can say nothing about the run that Gamrot's on in terms of each step of the way showing us something different or or at least surprising us at his upper bound limits. I mean, to go out there and just, you know, blow a hole through one guy, submit the other guy in no time, I mean, it it was eye-opening, Luke.
0: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, we're dealing with guys who have a lot of different capability. I think for me in this one, BC, again, the wrestling question is the most central. But now that you bring it up a little bit, now that I think about it a little bit more, I am curious to see about the other levels of their game, because if there is a canceling out function to all of this, then that that development on the other portions of the game becomes significantly more relevant. I want to be clear. It's not like Gamrot can't strike or something, or that he might not already be better than Soryuki, and he actually might be. Um, but I do wonder about the, the the trajectory of their development and what any kind of potential cancellation means for all of that. A lot of interesting questions in this one, dude. A lot of interesting questions. Yeah.
1: And even though uh, we're giving experience edge to Saryukian, and when there's some unknowns about going the full five rounds, uh, the final bout bout for Gamrod, excuse me, when he was fighting with KSW in Poland, he did go five full rounds to defend his title there, Luke before making his debut in the UFC. So he's he's been there, done that in fact. Yeah, but that it, ain't
0: against Sarukian. You know, no, for sure,
1: but just to add in, his, you know, the last three fights in KSW he went 5-4 and 5 rounds. So Fair it, it's a, it's all part in the end of the day, Luke, why we love this matchup. Okay, why do the betting oddsmen at the end of the day like Sarukian more?
0: Because uh his one loss in the UFC was to Islam, which he gave I'm not going to say he gave Islam hell, but he was fighting continuously throughout, showed real wrestling. I just feel like he's shown a little bit more promise. Now, that might be wrong, because to your point, Gamrot has great experience as well and has beaten some really good guys. And the the fight against Kutate Ladze was close. Like and, he, and by the way, he did really well in the takedown department there as well, in, in addition. Although, obviously, as we've seen, the stats sort of tell you that there's not enough control and ground and pound. But... Um, I just feel like with and you, you've you've got someone who's got all the athletic ability they need, they've got all the wrestling that they need, and that by itself can carry you pretty far. He's got a tremendous gas tank as well. Again, go back and watch the fight with Makachev, dude. He was scrambling his ass off up until the very last minute of that fight. And so you just feel like, man, if they can put a little bit more together with this guy, he might be able to do amazing things. Gamrot, in many ways, I think is something of a more finished product. Again, still developing. I want to be clear about that. But, and again, you're asking what the odds makers see. What I think that they see is he doesn't quite have the same ability to extend. Not that he can't go much further than he is but that Saryukian's ability to extend how far he can go seems a little bit higher, right? Seems to have just a little bit more of the natural gifts that hard work and the right kinds of people around him can t- develop and to turn into something. Now, to people who might be favoring Gamrot, these are all just guesses. We don't really know, and there are things to be said about Saryukian not being as well-rounded as he needs to be. Um, and again, sometimes... Yeah, I think that well-roundedness would be the issue there more than anything else. So... Um, that's what they see. They just see a guy who's got, like, you know, a thoroughbred horse. Man, if you could just get the right trainer, just get the right nutrition, the right kind of situation, you can do something with that. That's what I think they're banking on. But he has to do something against Gamrot to really prove that that's a a fair assessment.
1: You know, look, people don't look at me as a hardcore UFC fan. But I'm I'm getting that, that hardcore itch. You know what I mean? That, like... Let me turn the volume down. Pull the shades down. Everybody, leave me alone. I gotta watch this main event. I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta inhale it. You know what I'm saying, Luke? I gotta freebase it.
0: So freebase it, bro.
1: Um, look, uh, here's I've seen the future. So so get ready to to join me in this process, Luke. Here, here's what the future looks like. The wrestling does cancel each other out, but the stakes on this fight like cannot be overlooked. Like they're both, you know, I mean, obviously Saryukin's younger, 25 years old, or is he even 24. I mean, he's so young, it's ridiculous. Whereas Gamrot's 31, ready to go now, but Saryukin's talent has shown he's ready to go now and go to that next level. So, Luke, these are going to be two hammers that are going to put on five, I think, growingly spectacular rounds of, of, of striking, of kickboxing. Because the deal here is, Luke, they're both not reckless, they're responsible, but they're hammers this could end up looking a lot like Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker at the end of the day. Hmm. That doesn't necessarily answer who wins per se, but I, if I'm going to lean one way, it's, it's a, I've seen a little bit more from Saryukian that I've loved and so have the, the odds makers, but damn, this is a, a great fight. Do you echo at least, forget about who wins, but echo my same sentiment here that this could be a, you know, this could be the fight of the night, five rounds of, of, of pure joy here for us as fans.
0: Oh, yeah. Um... Yes, I think so. I think so. There are permutations where this fight could be a little boring. There are there are again, fights can go in a lot of different directions. It's I don't heat think that's li-
1: over time, Luke. It's gonna nat- organically heat up. You know, Yeah,
0: I think so. I mean, I think listen, both guys can do so much, but from a technical standpoint, especially in the wrestling department. Again, they're gonna fight they're gonna, that, that battle is gonna be fought a little bit. I the idea that this turns into like Usman versus Colby right away, or I should say Usman-Colby won, right? Where they just go like, ah, fuck it, we're not going to wrestle, we're just going to strike. Th- Again, could be that way. I tend to think at least wrestling will play some part in the larger uh, picture of things. But yeah, dude, I mean, I'm ve- this, this fight is a, a big fight. It's not to say that the loser of this fight can't still climb the ranks or won't still climb the ranks. In fact, I think that they will, but it does tell us that the person who wins here is going to be fast tracked I think. I mean this is going to be one of those fights where you're like okay, who is the next generation of 155ers in the UFC who you can yes. look at and say who's coming up the pike to make a make a title run. Not right away, but like you know, forecasting a year or two down the road. It's going to be the winner of, one of this of this fight. No doubt about it. It's going to be the winner of this fight. That's how important this is, but they got to get out there and beat a very very tough uh, peer in order to get there.
1: Luke, you know how, like, when people say clean and jerk, like these lifting terms, you're like, oh, is going to make a obvious low-hanging fruit reference there, you know, to, like, dicks and, you know, right, you know, whatever, Luke. But when I hear DC say run the pipe, dude, how is this so regular term, Luke? I I mean, I'm sorry. I go, I fall right back into the quicksand of, of ridiculousness when I hear that term, all
0: right? I mean, because not everyone is a 43-year-old man with a 13-year-old brain? Like, oh, I'm not stop. sure how to answer that oh, question. stop.
1: Uh, Luke. To, to aid in my idea that it or, is an organic brew that breaks out into a not slugfest, but a very technical war in some ways. Uh, Gamera's also a southpaw, Luke. So they're going to be there's going to be some feeling out in that.
0: Yeah, and I I, honestly, that might actually uh, in, enhance the amount of wrestling you see especially early on again, we don't know how the wrestling like one, like Gamrot might be able to take Saryukin down and, and like, that's enough. Or conversely, Saryukin might be able to take him down and that's enough. Like that could change it. But what I mean is if both guys have that lead leg on the same side, or at least, you know, uh, yeah, it would be the same side. Cause it'd be an open stance. I think that will only increase the chances that you see a, a, at least early at a bare minimum early, a real wrestling contest. Like how is this going to go? Who's going to get the upper hand here? Um, you know, obviously, if they were other stance, that you would probably get that too in some level. But I, I just feel like that lead leg sticking out, man. It's gonna, it's going to absolutely entice the other one to, to go after it.
1: Yeah, I heard a little '90s commodity. I almost thought you were going to veer into like, "How's it gonna be?" But you didn't. But look, the thing is, when DC pa- packages phrases together, and he's like, "All right, now going for the high crotch. Let's, let's run the." Pa- I mean, you have to admit, you, you put those two together. A little dicey, a little, a little dicey, look, Okay. <laughs> what right.
0: high crotch and then run the pipe?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you, you're saying I'm immature. It's kind of, it's kind of speaks for itself in that regard. All right, uh, Luke, um, are you going either way? Are you making a pick here? I mean, you know, w- w- we all, we all, we're all gonna win here. But are you making a pick? Uh,
0: certainly, no one is hiring me to be a talent evaluator for any of these promotions. Um, but the two guys I've been the highest on in the last year or so, I mean, some of the obvious ones, like everyone's been high on Shamayev or something like that, right? But, I mean, outside of that, it'd be Rachmanov, who I know we're going to talk about here in a little bit, and it would be Soryukin. Those are two guys who we talk about it all the time. Obviously, Teofimo, Teofimo Lopez shit the bed in his last fight, so that's kind of out. But in his previous fights, I had said to BC, like, golly, this guy just, when he's, when he's dealing... His talent jumps off the screen. Rachmanov's talent jumps off the screen, and Saryukian's does as well. In different ways, to be very clear. So, Rachmanov is much more put together as a complete total fighter than Saryukian is. But Saryukian, as you're asking, like why are the odds makers leaning towards him? He just has Thoroughbred Horse written all over him. I mean, he really, really does. Not to say that Gamrot doesn't. uh, And again, I I fully respect Gamrot's capabilities here. If he won, I wouldn't be surprised in the least. But Saryukian appears to be quite special to me. And with his relative youth and his relative ability already and how much time he has to get better and what he's already showing, I think that guy has, at a bare minimum, title fights written all over his future. We shall see. We shall see. But I'm going to ride with him.
1: And a loaded weekend, Luke, we just gave that main event the, the the real breakdown it deserved, and it's going to be a great one. But will we be exiting Saturday's fight card talking about the winner of the main event or how great the co-main event guy <laughs> may end up looking? It's not going to be easy for Shavkat Rachmanov here at welterweight from Kazakhstan. Yes, he looks to be very much in the same category as the guys in the main event as potentially having next, maybe even more, Luke. I mean, this guy can give you some excitement, some some UBL for days, but he's got Neil Magny coming in here, and a Neil Magny as we talked about on Wednesday storylines that is like you know on a nice run, like put has really put it together. He never not wants to fight the people that no one else wants to, so he's gonna get a big opportunity here. A plus 320 underdog Neil Magny minus 390 Rockman the favorite. Luke, you've been the day one guy. The red coats are coming. Shavkat is the next hammer. We need to get phoned up about how tough of a challenge is Magni to Shavkat becoming the lead story after Saturday's card.
0: I, I, I This is, to me, you know, if you want to see if, listen, if Chimaev had to fight Gilbert Burns right in the way that he did, like, okay, Gilbert Burns is, you know, as proven and talented and accomplished As any welterweight can get short of winning the title. I mean, he is an extraordinary fighter, and so Chimaev beating him is a big deal, and especially because Chimaev, you know, kind of fought as we always talk about, very undisciplined, and still kind of won. But short of that, like when you're thinking, who would tell us a lot about where Rachmanov's going to go? Boy, Neil Magny is just a fantastic candidate. Number one, battle tested. I mean, win or lose, this fucker has been in there with very good fighters and even some cases where he's lost and and, and lost badly, at times he has shown promise even in those bouts but the other ones, he has won spectacularly he's been counted out a lot and the reason why Magny is respected is not just because he's beaten good guys a lot of times he's beaten people that no one expected him to beat and he rose to the occasion so he has been in there with very tough guys, He has, as I mentioned, he has found his moments when he needed to he has phenomenal cardio, I mean, whatever else you want to say about neil magny the concept of him being tired especially in a three-round contest is inconceivable right so there's that and then on top of it he's got great dimensions for the game and a great um team behind him and he's got good training he's very well-rounded like that dude can do a lot now he's got limits as well no fighter is perfect But if you're just asking, you know, what is Shafkat Rachmanov going to prove by beating someone like that? Dude, that is a very important measuring stick. And I talked about this yesterday on my my live chat, which was, one, we're going to see if some of the stuff he's already shown us can scale up to the higher end of the division. But more so, there's still a lot, as much as we know about Rachmanov, there's still actually a lot we don't know. Like, how good is he? Beating someone with that kind of cardio and that kind of experience and a great jab and who understands what his assignment is in wrestling positions, who understands what his assignment is in various standing situations, like he understands what needs to happen. If you can beat a guy like that. With fight, but in the end, Shafkat Rachmanov to me is—he um, might be the future of this division. He is exceedingly talented, and this is a tough fight. Make no mistake, but he might be up for it.
1: God, the short-term reloading that's already going on at welterweight between him and Shemaev is is all, enough, you know, as as it is to get you fired the hell up. But there's there could be some very good fights, old versus new, uh, in the future across the board. Luke, if there's any area in Rachmanov that gives you pause that you are drinking the juice because at a certain level he has looked insane, but not everybody, you know, carries that up at that same level when they face equal or better competition. Is there a scenario here where, like, Shavka can win in a boring fashion, where Magni's good enough to not become a highlight reel, but Shavkot's too safe? Do you have any fears that this guy doesn't have sort of the, the gene, that bone you need to finish and know when the time is right to finish and know why it's important and this platform to get that finish if it's there. Are you worried about anything from Shavka? Uh,
0: no. <laughs> Not in that sense. Like, dude, he's got... I don't know if... Are all of his UFC wins finishes? I have to go back and look. I don't know I off the top of my head, but most of them are. He demolished Michelle Prezeris. He demolished... um The gentleman from South Africa, he he gave him the business as well. Dude, like, he is a fucking destroyer. Now, if you're asking me what parts do give me concern, I will tell you a little bit. One, there are times in the fights, and understand something. I talked to his manager, and what they tell me was that the first contract he was on, he wasn't making a lot of money. So they just kind of wanted to get through that contract and then go to the next one, and then from there... You know, once the pay was a little bit higher, then start taking on some of the tougher fights, which I think makes sense. Also, get your feet wet. Oh, and he demolished Cowboy Oliveira as well. But yeah, uh,
1: he's, yeah he's fucking good, dude. He's yeah, really he's good. real. Yeah. He's
0: undefeated, and I think again, I think all of his finishes are by way. Or all of his wins are by way of finishing the UFC. But in any case, I, don't, you can dead wrong me because I'm not entirely sure about that. I don't have his record in front of me. But the point I want to make is there have been times a little bit where he allows the fighter who he's going up against to not dictate the terms but he kind of lays back a little bit. Now, sometimes he does that because he's setting traps, especially along the fence line. I want everyone to pay attention to this. If you see someone press Rachmanov, including Neil Magny, if you see Magny press Rachmanov up against the fence, is a decent chance that Magny's going to go for a ride because that's one of his major major setups. All he needs is an overhook and you're and you're done, you're going to go we're going to have problems. So there is a little bit of a method to his madness, but I wonder against a guy like Magny who can jab and set a pace. If he might not find himself in certain situations giving away moments, getting his head popped back. By the way, he can slip and counter too, right? Because Rachmaninoff's really good. But there are times when he'll let other guys do what they want a little bit. I think that could get, you know, against lesser opposition, you can get away with that, right? Because it's not a big deal. Against Neil Magny, I don't know if I would want to play that kind of a game. So let's see. He doesn't have to force the fight. That's not what I'm talking about. But I do want to see in the moments where it's neutral-ish how he sets up his offense and what, he, uh, what Magny either forces him to do or what he allows Magny to do, and to what extent that defines moments of control, punches that might land, you know, that kind of a thing, where he then has to fight out of a deficit in certain circumstances. I don't know that that will happen, but that's kind of the thing on my mind. Where he Not lazy, but almost has not the same urgency that he needs. The urgency is what I'm going to be paying attention to here.
1: Yeah, and, and and pardon me for not mentioning Sean Brady's name, the unbeaten fighter, and Room Service Diaries veteran in the same conversation. So, Luke, transitioning to those rankings where Brady is number nine, by the way, Neil Magny, number 10, and Rachmaninoff, number 15, should the upper bound limits come true here? Should Shavkot Rachmaninoff just, you know, look sensational and finish Neil Magny? We know that's a huge statement how huge! What type of fight could be next for him? Like, what can like is he? If he does the 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 best performance possible in this setting, is he now fighting the Gilbert Burns level guys next? Like, is it is it going to happen that quickly?
0: Yeah, he beats. Well, first of all, just to clarify, all of his UFC wins are by finish, which is important to note because all of his fights are by way of finish. He is fifteen and zero, and he finished off fifteen of these opponents i mean that's who we're talking about here you're you're concerned like does he have that killer instinct yeah yeah times a thousand he's got it so that's the first thing i'd say well but i meant you're asking- more will
1: he chase it luke i meant more will he chase it because there's guys you give it yeah. to them they'll make it happen will he chase that if it's a boring fight
0: you know and, and then the other part too is like you know Neil Magny's not like some kind of scrub like you're not just going to beat the shit out of him and walk off i mean maybe maybe Rachmaninoff does which would be incredible but like you know there's a real there's a real clear case here where this could very well go to a decision even if Rachmaninoff is the winner um you know magny is a very again i have a great deal of respect for what this fight represents and for what neil magny has done in his career but um i forgot your original question i'm sorry I've, i went on a tangent there but
1: I, the, I enjoyed the tangent though yeah
0: i guess i'm i guess i'm just trying to point out I have. Oh, you asked me who the next opponent would be. Yeah, uh, Gilbert Burns. Maybe not something just south of that. Ju- yeah. five, six to eight, or six to nine. Winner somewhere of
1: Bilal, in there Winner of Bolal, Luke too.
0: Yeah. Well, well, Bolal already won that.
1: Oh, that's right. That already happened. All right, yeah. Luke. I'm, I'm, you know, part of my brain is is a few weeks behind there. Uh,
0: Why don't you keep uh, drinking wine at
1: night, fuckface? Yeah, just the same. Obviously, Neil Magny at at number ten would make a a serious leap into probably the same level of uh, matchmaking with a big win. Uh, Luke, does Shavkat Rachmanov get it done? The the product of Uzbek of Kazakh nationality, uh, and does he do it spectacularly? What's what the is this going to look like, Luke? Because It could be the toughest test to date, or it could just be another, uh, you know, another wall to kick through on the way. I think
0: that, I think Rugmano's going to have to earn it. I don't in any way think he's just going to blow the doors off of a guy like Magny, in part to something you had identified. He doesn't rush the fight. Now, once he hurts a guy, his finishing ability is extraordinary, hence the record. Um, But yeah, I think is going to win, and I think in the end, however it looks, which by the way, includes going to a decision. I want to be clear about that. I think he's going to look spectacular um, throughout the process. One thing to pay attention to, in addition for Rachmaninoff getting backed up against the fence, and all he has to do is have that wizard, and then all these guys are in trouble, the other one is that he does a little something that's kind of interesting. He'll rock a guy on the feet. He's got the ability to slip and counter, too, by the way. So, like, you know, that jab is going to be good for Magny, but he has to be careful with it because if Rachmanov times it, he's going to eat a huge punch. One thing that Rachmanov is incredible at, and I call it standing ground and pound, which doesn't really make sense, I understand, because GNP, that's what ground means. But what I mean is, in a lot of his fights, Carlton Harris was one where he did this. That was the guy from South Africa. I previously forgot his name, but I apologize. He'll hit a guy, then they fall, And he doesn't fully follow them to the ground. He occupies a position sometimes where he'll put their legs back where they can't just fully extend. And he'll rain punches over them bending over at the waist. And you might say, well, what is unique about that? He does it in a very coordinated, specific way where he doesn't allow someone to grab a collar tie and overhook, wrist control, feet on the hips, anything that would allow some method of body control over him. And he punches, and that's really important because what happens, if you're doing ground and pound, what do they tell the person underneath to do? Collar tie, overhook, sea grip behind the head, or you know, double underhooks. Bring them to you so they don't have the separation to go after you. Rachmanov has this ability to rock a guy on the feet, and only then. He doesn't take someone down and then try this. He only tries it when he hurts them first on the feet, then he lets them fall a little bit, and he stands over them, and, dude, he puts on an absolute clinic doing this. He doesn't need a lot of time to land three or four huge shots that in many cases can either end a fight or define a round. He is vicious with it. Pay attention to something like that. If Neil Magny is not careful with his jab, he is going to eat a huge shot. Pay attention to the bending over at the waist of Rachmaninoff. It seems simple, but it's actually very, very clever that he doesn't allow that control by going to the ground with them. It allows him to land monster punches.
1: Damn, I love this fight. Uh, seriously, we're going to find out. We we could really stamp two guys sharing the headlines. You know, the winner of the main event and this one, If especially if Rachmaninoff does big things in this one. You could you could have instantly in two divisions two major players ready to to tussle so fired up I, I think it's going to be Rock I don't I don't know though I don't know how hard this test is going to be that's why I want to find out Luke that uh, up and down the card it's hard not to mention uh, the Umar Madoff return at fourteen and zero cousin of Habib taking on Nate Maness uh, Luke Umar put it on our dude Brian Boom Kelleher last fight like quickly overwhelming submission. Um, we were a little hesitant at first to like put him in the Habib Islam Ahachev level of you know hype or 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 what's coming next. And there's a lot in that family and in the surrounding team there under R.I.P. Coach Abdulmanap. Um, how good is Umar Nurmagomedov though? Because that last fight seemed to take the hype like to a real good level. It's never been before.
0: Uh, he's good. They've got him at a minus one thousand favorite. <laughs> I gotta say, I, like. In MMA, anytime an odds maker goes over a thousand, my eyes are always like, "Word!" Like, not because I don't think he's better than Nate Maness or that he might not win. I, I think Nurmagomedov will win. It's not hard, hardly some kind of uh, brave pick, but I don't know, man. Nate Maness can grapple a little bit, like not like Nurmagomedov, but I don't know. I always get real, like unless it's like I don't know. For example. Um, Julia Budd is out of her fight in July with Kayla Harrison. And so, Caitlin Caitlin Young is going to fill in. Now, Caitlin Young was, like, for a time, the Invicta matchmaker. She has fought for a long time. But she's, like, 12 and 12 in her career. Yo, like... And she's not even a natural 155-er. I mean... It stands to reason that Kayla Harrison is going to rip her apart. Okay, fine. You can make her a huge favorite. But in cases like this, where two guys are basically like, you know, in their greatest moment or close to their greatest moment of their fighting career, certainly in a very developed position. I always get a little bit of the heebie-jeebies when they give a, someone a minus 1,000 like this. Don't you?
1: Not, am, I, am I crazy? No, I, I agree. I was surprised it was that much. I would have thought it was a, a minus a 500. That's where I would have thought yeah. he was at, 600. Yeah, that sounds you know? about right. Yes. And that's still a lot at this right. level, to be fair. But do you think, has he not, Umar, has Umar not dazzled you that even a young in the way that a young Usman Nurmagomedov under the Bellator banner has, because like we're all waiting for Usman to get that title shot. You know, I mean, Usman versus AJ McKee could be mind blowing someday. But um, the whole point is, do you not think has Umar not tickled you to that level yet?
0: Not to that level, but I also hold Usman Nurmagomedov in very high regard. For folks, who may not know, I mean, I know he is almost certainly going to be the Bellator lightweight champion at some point, probably sooner rather than later. Maybe even this year. We'll get, I guess we'll have to see. Um, I don't know that I hold Umar in exactly that kind of regard. Uh, to me, Usman Nurmagomedov is just a phenomenal striker. He's a phenomenal grappler. Obviously, he's well-trained. All the whole I mean, he's got a lot going for him in the right direction. Umar Nurmagomedov certainly has many, many, many of those things. But to your point, I, I just haven't quite seen that, which is why I'm like minus 1,000. Again, I think he's going to win, but that is high. So I guess we'll have to okay. see.
1: That is high, uh, Luke. Do you think your boy Rodolfo Vieira gets it done on Saturday? You could, you know, he could use one here. I mean, is there time for him to put something together uh, in this division of middleweight against Chris Curtis?
0: I see. I don't know, man. Like Rodolfo Vieira was just an outrageously good grappler. Um, he gave Bouchesha many of his toughest matches. He won nearly every prestigious title that you could win, and, and sometimes multiple times. Um, and he's got a great, you would think he has a great game for MMA because he can do a lot of mobile passing. He can do a lot of pressure passing. And I guess it turns out that a lot of his judo game was kind of gi-based. But he was one of the guys in jiu-jitsu that was hitting a lot of judo throws um, that was somewhat unusual. But, like, I don't know that that's fully translated. But still, like, he's, you know, he's built like a fucking brick shit house. Like, the dude has got a lot going for him. But he just hasn't seemed to be able to turn that corner yet. I wonder if he took to MMA too late. I wonder if other parts of his game just haven't come to him as naturally. If he just spent too much time working on jiu-jitsu, I guess we're going to have to see. But Chris Curtis is also... You know, this guy retired before and came back, but he looks rejuvenated he doesn't overly stress the fights it looks to me he has a real calm demeanor he's got good power good striking so if, if, if he can play prevent defense in the grappling game it seems like he's gonna piece up Vieira they've got Vieira at a very very slight underdog plus 110 I think that sounds about right um I don't know man I don't know like again jujitsu for jujitsu he's gonna smoke everyone on that fucking card but that's not the game we're playing
1: yeah, I'd I, I put some money on Vieira here, Luke. I got a good feeling Ooh. about this, all right? Okay. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll reconvene on Monday on that. But uh, anyone else you want to spotlight here? We know that Carlos Zolberg could could come back and uh, could use a big push here. Uh, CKB product, Luke. Uh, probably has an active lifestyle outside the cage, being that handsome. Probably, Luke.
0: Yeah, and the other kid, again, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Tafan uh out of Camp Springs, Maryland. Heavy, heavy puncher. Um, look at those
1: I, odds, Luke. They're both in the in the minus.
0: Yeah, which is a little bit surprising to me because Olberg definitely has, I think, He'll have a better gas tank. I don't know if that's exactly true, but I think that probably is true. But certainly, he's got a more upright, but stick-and-move kind of style. Could he use that range, that ability to tag and go to land on Tafan? Probably so, but Tefan is a fucking murderous puncher. I mean, that dude lands, and he starts spinning heads like it's the Exorcist. I think if he begins to land on Olberg at all, he's going to demolish him. So, I'm actually... I un- I take seriously Olberg's chances of winning, but I actually think that this is enchukwe's fight to lose a little bit more so, yeah. and I think eventually he's going to find that chin. Um, but we'll see because he had he's had some ups and downs in the octagon as well.
1: Yeah, there's there's, there's some big room to grow there for well Olberg if he gets a win he's going to have to mature here and show us what he's got. Uh, Luke, I know that you're you're like a you know a good person. You 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 perf- you know you're a fan of happy endings. No no gross uh, connotation <laughs> at all. Does does Life Karma say that that you know are you cheering for J P Bays Bays given the you know the a fallout of his relationship and the possible deportation now and all that deportation soap opera? really remember that but I mean, you don't remember when when Cheyenne left and went to Europe he you know J P put out on social media that like they only got married for the green card and now or for oh, the see, you know, I don't visa. follow
0: them on social nor do oh, I care okay. about these sordid romantic relationships so, you know, that they're involved in.
1: I know you're not a big Days of Our Lives fan, but are, are you cheering deep inside against Cody Durden here for J.P. Bays to get some life karma back?
0: Listen, here's what I always say about these fights. I just hope that the guy or the lady who deserves to win wins, which is to say oh, that if it so goes lame. to the judges... No, but dude, here's the thing. This shit is difficult, man. This shit is difficult. It's extremely difficult to do what they're doing. And... Y- y- at some point, you just kind of have to look at this and say, I just hope that fairness reigns. The person who was better doesn't have some stupid injury, or if it goes to the judges, they don't get fucked by him. That's the only thing I ever care about. But beyond that, I don't have a rooting interest. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that speech. I know. By what, the way, what you want me to learn here to say is, I hope he sticks it to that Jezebel and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But that's not who I am, bro. That's not what I do. Yeah, Yes, I hope he dies, and I hope he
1: goes to hell. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Uh, yeah. Luke, you uh, want me to be Samuel L. Jackson in A Time to Kill? But bro, I'm that's you know, I'm more Snakes on a Plane guy or whatever the fuck. That's not how I, That's not what I do.
1: Luke, uh, you know, we mentioned on Wednesday the slop, the sloppy Super Bowl of the week is this opener as Vanessa Demopoulos makes her return after the viral victory and leap she made against Yu Fry. But Luke, Fry is minus two fifty, Demopoulos plus two ten. Are you feeling like a frisky upset here?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, tell the people how to invest their money, at least, Luke. uh, Don't buy crypto. That's the first (laughs) thing I'd say. Uh, Second thing I'd say is, see, here's the thing, man. Jinyu Frey can piece her up on the feet, and Demopolis gets hit more than I would call what is advisable.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But but Frey can kind of, she's a little bit older, and I don't know that her game holds up under pressure through the course of the rounds. And Demopolis has some dog in her, man. She kind of gets after it, and she'll take punches to kind of deliver it, which is like, okay, I can see why the odd, oddsmakers did what they did, because I do think Frey, Frey is the better striker of the two and can put it on her in a much more calculated way, probably through most of the bout. But if Demopolis can hang on make it a little bit of an uglier affair, bring into to the grappling a little bit. It's very, very winnable for her. So I yeah. understand favoring Frey. Frey. I'm not very sure how you say it anymore. Frey's but...
1: more consistent. She's yes. more consistent. Yeah. Yes, that's, cool. that's right. Is but Demopolis,
0: streaky. dude, she she, she she, can rise to the occasion in ways I think better than her opponent here.
1: Would you? I, this is not an insult. Would you say that Demopolis is the American Betch-Cohea? Well,
0: what would that mean?
1: kind of like it has underdog vibes but yet like carries themselves like you know like I do on morning combat basically and uh and you know it, it takes damage like can get can get solved can get served can get beaten but also can raise to get dramatic wins that almost make them like folk heroes like i mean up, kohei up got to, to, to the title I mean level.
0: the the style of eating a punch to give one that works for a little while but if you start climbing the ranks you're going to get annihilated like for example, I mean this is a very different division and a very different matchup but you can't play that game against Rachmaninoff. he will fuck you up like that's yeah. not gonna work um, so yeah like Shevchenko versus I Luke it's not gonna work okay <laughs> but that didn't work for a lot of other reasons other than that but point I'm trying to make is you can do that for a little while so to your point there might be some elements of that for sure but that has there's a there's a ceiling on how far you can take that
1: all right. Uh, let's take it to another good MMA card this weekend in our second topic. Look, what Tonight. a great show. What a great show we've already been giving the people. Bellator 282 airs only on Showtime this evening, 9 p.m. Eastern. But do not miss, by the way, I think it's six PM Eastern start on uh Pluto TV, also on the uh social media and YouTube channels of Bellator and Showtime Sports. That undercard is stacked with names. So I mean from Rack garbage to Katsungano, I mean, there's a lot going on there. But Luke, damn, do we have a really good main card as well? Middleweight title atop it, Gegard Mousasi, uh maybe doing some of his best work at age 36. 12 and one in his last 13. Taking on Johnny Eblin, who is rising, unbeaten, can wrestle. It seems to have that next level toughness and and go get it in him, Luke. You and I were up and down at CBS Sports HQ this week. We interviewed Musasi. We've been breaking this shit down. Now it's time to really find out what it's going to look like, Luke. Musasi 230, the favorite. Does this go the distance? What t- is there momentum swings? What does this thing look like? It's not going to be like Vanderford. It's not going to be over like that, Luke. That's I'm right. telling you that. That's much. right.
0: I, don't, I, I think Ebelin's going to be a much tougher fight than Vanderford. Now, Vanderford kind of imploded relatively quickly, so there is that. But to your point... Um, I, I do think there's going to be some pretty critical moments in this fight where Eblin is able to establish contact, get him down, or at least get him to a scramble, like what's going to happen here kind of position, make Musasi work, and whatnot. But the thing that's hard for me to overcome is like if that gets taken away or minimized or isn't the deciding factor, where the deciding factor is actually what happens on the feet, that to me is going to be a very difficult fight for Eblin to win. Eblin has, to me, to win this fight, if he's going to win, he's got to do it like, again, he's got more in the tank, and he's got more to give than what Darian Caldwell does in terms of well-roundedness. Darian Caldwell is not very well-rounded at all. I think that's not unfair to say. Eblin is much more well-rounded, but in this particular fight, striking for striking, who believe again, this is MMA, crazy shit happens, I understand, but does anyone really believe that Eblin is a better striker than Musasi, because I, I certainly don't believe that. Uh, but I do believe he's a better wrestler. But uh this isn't a wrestling match. All you have to do is play prevent defense and you can nullify it. Musasi doesn't have to have a wrestling game with him. He can if, if there's if this is going to be a wrestling match, it's because Eblen has to force Musasi into a space where he has to make it that way. And I think he can do that for parts, but do I really believe he can do that for the totality of twenty-five minutes, or at least enough of twenty-five minutes, I should say. I'm skeptical. I think he makes it tough, dude. I really, really do. But I'm skeptical he can do enough of that to win. Well,
1: first of all, this fight's tonight, Friday, so we got to drop that that lower third on there. We got to get our editing team. It
0: needs to. uh, Oh yeah, they put up Saturday. They fucked that up. That's going
1: on tonight, Friday, Bellator 282, Mohegan Sun, only on Showtime, as we talked about. Luke, you nailed it though. Can Eblin do it better over five full rounds? You know, can he finish the legend? don't You know, not likely. Sure, certainly possible. Not likely, though. He's going to have to show us something, Luke, beyond just having, you know, moments where maybe he does get some success on the ground, like you're saying. I mean, I don't expect him to maul. Nobody mauls Musasi like that. Like, I mean, this is not that type of fight. This is going to be whether Evelyn can play chess on this level. So, like, how confident are you in his striking? Really. Not his striking for one round. His striking... For, for 25 minutes, should, should the, you know, the wrestling success not have great success? And this is a, a fight on the feet.
0: I, d- I, dude, my view is, like, if this is on the feet for several minutes, I think Eblen can, like, I, I just don't believe there's going to be a, a lasting striking battle on the feet, w- which is to say the following, right? One, he's either going to, Eblen's going to get tagged with something big. So that's one problem, or it won't be a prolonged striking battle on the feet because Evelyn will constantly, if not get the takedown, close contact, mix it up, shoot for the hips where he just won't allow it to be. Now, again, we all know if the the takedown has to happen and you have to put something behind it for judges to to count it. So either way, I just don't see a long striking battle. I I, I guess I should ask you, what do you think happens on the feet to the extent that, let's say, Evelyn gets a takedown but can't do a whole lot with it. There's still two, three minutes left in the round. Give me your sense of what the rest of that round looks like.
1: Uh, you know, from distance, he's going to have a problem. He doesn't have the same technique and, and experience. You know, it's like you can watch his highlight reel and go, okay, he's got some hands, you know, but it's against various levels of competition. I'm not fully secure that he can go win three rounds against Musashi if this is, 75 percent of striking battle no so he's not going to be able to win the jab game in that but can't luke can he though use the youth and physicality and that 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 spot you know he's never lost you know he's he's walking around like like he's got a secret luke that he's carrying a gay guard level hammer and, and by the way a lot of talk about gay guards hammer lately i don't know it's it's like flooding you know it's not my favorite t- topic but it's, it's out there luke um I don't have that confidence that I've seen Eblen do that yet. So he's going to have to be a guy, Luke, that can raise his game considerably to something we haven't seen and really make that leap. I don't know if I see him as that guy, Luke, and he, he may have to be that guy because the Musasi of the last two fights is different than the guy in previous years. He, he's, he's, on, he's on a run, Luke. He's focused. Yet he's also said he had to cut 24 pounds in 24 hours. He was like, yeah, yeah, it was hard, but it wasn't a big deal. I don't know what to make of guard To be fair, right now, yeah, uh, he's I mean, like, dude,
0: if you, if I, if I'm Evelyn I'm making, I'm making Musasi work, even if I don't necessarily win the first round or even the second, dude, I'm gonna drain that fucker as much as I possibly can, right? That's what you want to do, and then, I mean, I go back to this. People think that's some kind of like silly game plan, dude. That's exactly what Habib did to Connor. Folks are like, oh, Habib didn't do anything in the first round, dude. Score the first round for Connor if you want. I don't give a shit. That wasn't the point. The point was. Uh, what ha- well, however good you are at striking, it is significantly diminished. Talking about Conor McGregor. When he is fully ready to go first round, we know the story about Conor. He gets shot out of a cannon. He's dialed in. He's got his distance and everything's cooking early. Habib was like, I'm not playing this fucking game with you. So he takes him down, wraps him up, and makes him work. And what happens at the beginning of the second round? He steals on him and drops him. That's what happens in that second round because there was a much less of a threat by virtue of making him work. That is Eblen's task. Eblen's task is not like, dude, this is Eblen's 12th MMA fight. 12th. Musashi is going for his 50th win tonight. I mean, yes. that's just fucking insane to think about the, the experience difference there. So if a well, guy get- had a big weight cut and he's like, and we, we asked him on CBS Sports, what does this win mean to you? He's like, fuck all. It doesn't mean shit. It means another win I have to go get, blah, blah, blah. Like he wasn't taking I'm not saying he wasn't taking it seriously, but he didn't see it as some kind of like significant career moment. Dude, if you're Johnny Eblin, the task is not to imagine you can outstrike Musasi at his best. The task right. is drain him into something less than what he ordinarily is
1: so that could come in the clinch although i would never tell somebody go fight in the clinch with musashi right like the, that's not an advisable position but those may be the areas he have to be in to lean on him and really get him into something because it was weird to see gegard pass off in the interview we did with him on cbs sports hq about the weight cut like it didn't matter and then just say look from here on out i'm smashing everybody i'm just going to walk through everybody does he mean that I I don't know does he just mean he's loose and free and believes in himself now and you know more than ever like is he gonna come out guns blazing here Luke I I don't know if I'd advise that either if I'm him I make the young guy come to me and make a mistake
0: yes that's right I think Musasi. there's a question like do you want to fight on the front foot or the back foot more metaphorically than than literal but if I'm Musasi, you have to play that game a little bit carefully because I do think you want to set traps for the overeager guy. Like, if you know that guy's going to come out and first thing he's trying to do is take you down, you have a clear sense of, like, okay, this is how he wants to pursue this. And, of course, you have to defend that out. But the other part is, like, Vanderford was, for example, walking into punches all the time. Musashi's real good about intercepting, uh, intercepting over-committed fighters. So that's another sort of wrinkle here that Eblen has to kind of navigate. Okay, you want to put it on him. Amazing. He's not just going to let you do it, and, and I don't think that walking Eblin down until later in the fight makes a whole lot of sense. So Musasi has to play uh, a version, I'll say, BC, of rope-a-dope here potentially early, yeah. where he yeah. doesn't give too much away if Eblin is actually overcommitted, but he doesn't want to get overwhelmed either. You don't, want, you don't want to have to constantly be laboring in these situations, so you kind of have to play it a little bit strangely, uh, but I do think that is in play.
1: Dude, when, when Musashi starts to go downhill when he feels like he's figured it out and he starts working behind that heavy jab, that – you know, that's not easy, dude. There's a lot of power, experience, and precision behind that. He He's able to take a lead and, and bury you. So we're really going to have to find out what Johnny Eblen is if he's going to be the next uh, Bellator middleweight champion. I'm looking forward to it. I think he gets to the finish line, Luke. I think we'll see a competitive fight here, both having their moments in the particular strengths that we talked about. But I can't get past the minus 230 favorite, Musasi. you know, surviving and advancing and, by the way, looking good doing it.
0: I think so. Again, I, I, people have just slept on Johnny Eblen. Like, they think he's just some scrub that Bellator found out of nowhere. And yeah, he beat a couple Bellator guys. He can't be that good. No, I mean, listen, for your 12th MMA fight, fighting Musasi is an enormous task. It's almost, I'm not going to say unwinnable. I don't think that's true. But you would agree, BC. This is for your 12th MMA fight. Dude, this is a lot to ask out of somebody. Or 12th or 13th, whatever it is at this point. But you know we're in, we're in very few fights he has so in that sense this is an enormously you know i i don't even know if you it wouldn't even make sense to favor him to win to be quite candid but at the same time i do think he's talented i do think he has a bright future i take what he offers pretty seriously and i do think it is at least winnable for johnny Eblin. but to your point um unless he unless something goes wrong for Musasi, he should have certainly the experience and certainly the overall task to get the job done here i favor him to win Probably by a decision.
1: Uh, Luke, that's a very good main event. But these two pair here, weights, the Grand Prix rolls on to the quarterfinals. The title, the $1 million, all that is at the end of the rainbow here. Although technically, what is it? Rafion Stotts is your interim champion at the moment? Sergio yes, Pettis and is then injured?
0: Pettis is the uh, full-on champion.
1: Absolutely. But as we've talked about a few times, Luke, this tournament looks different than we thought. Pettis out with an injury. Kyoji Horiguchi out with a loss. So it's wide open. So you got two fights here with different sort of storylines coming in, both the same goal. At the end of it, somebody's going to fight Patchy Mix, and somebody's going to fight Rafian Stotz, and we're going to end up figuring out who the uh, new millionaire champion is. Let's start, though, with the one that's getting all the attention. That's Danny Sabatello. You interviewed him this week. Check it out, youtube.com slash morning combat, along with the Eblin chat, by the way. But he's getting the love, the,
0: oh, my God, this this guy. He's brash.
1: He's a minus 520 favorite, and he's also, by the way, was a much larger favorite just a few days ago against Leandro Higo. And, Luke, Higo uh, plus 410. Like he told you, Sabatello's been saying it for a year now, it's seemingly. He goes shit. You know, <laughs> he's fucking sucks. And I'm going to show you all. I'm going to make him quit. I'm going to do really uh, sadistic things to him at the end of the day. Like, when you're a brash loudmouth, Luke, you got to back it up. He's backed it up so far. Is there any reason to believe he isn't as good as he says he is?
0: Um, I don't think he's... I don't think Ego is as bad as he says he is. I'll put it that way. Um, I, it's not that I don't believe in Sabatello. I think he's actually quite good. But, you know, when he says Ego sucks, well, let me just sort of, like, spoil the narrative here. Ego does not suck. He is He is quite talented. But at the same time, man, Sabatello, dude, he's so quick. His He has, it seems like, phenomenal cardio, good strength, um... Decent to good ground and pound, but it's not like he's got the kind of control from from Colby where you never really imagine someone's in danger, but they kind of have to take it seriously and he kind of rides out the fight sometimes. Now, again, I know he's had some other fights where he's had good ground and pound. Sabatello is more than that. He's got a much more physical style of control. And he really took it to Lugo in his last fight, which I thought was going to be somewhat competitive. It wasn't competitive at all. Um, Ego does have...
1: He's a son of a bitch, Luke. He fights like a son of a bitch, Sabatello. He fights like he's going to... He wants to actually hurt you and and probably bang your sister. Like, he really comes with really foul intentions into that cage. Yes,
0: that's the other part. Like, he's just got a mean streak, and that's what you want out of fighters, too. Now, not everyone's going to be that way, and some some of the very best, like GSP, never had a mean streak, and he was, you know, obviously a Hall of Famer, but... Uh, but boy, Sabatello has just got a real edge to him. So, there, <clears throat> excuse me, there are some questions about striking on the feet. <clears throat> there are some questions about exactly what kind of ground dominance he's going to employ. But there's not a doubt in my mind ego gets taken down. There's not a doubt in my mind he has, he's going to have to fight out of a lot of difficult positions in this one. Sabatello is a hammer. Make no mistake.
1: Yeah, this is going to be good. This, this, and it, it. I mean, it could be a one sided yeah, Sabatello is is what he says he has moment there. But, you know, at least he has the both the resume to make that mean something, but also he's good enough where it's could be an interesting fight if he fights him at even terms, and then we'll see what Sabatello could do with the adjustments and all that. But, Luke, Danny Sabs, um, I mean, the bleach blonde hair, the sun, I mean, it's so 80s pro wrestling. So when he showed up at ATT, and I liked his him telling the backstory when you chatted with him that, like, you know, it's overused to, say, bet on yourself, but, like, Boy, did he just show up unannounced at ATT and was like, "I'm here. I'll do whatever it takes. You're gonna, you know, build this whole gym around me." Basically, eventually, dude. When Dan Lambert first like smelled this guy, given his pro wrestling flirtations on the side, given the fact that he has been credited by those who know with like making Colby Covington's character, or at least the original rise of what that was, dude. That's this. This sounds like a you know mentor mentee match made in heaven for the commercial side of it, Luke.
0: Yeah, I mean, Bellator needs more guys like this. I mean, not not everyone has to be Danny Sabatello and not everyone can. And it's not what I'm saying, but just sort of brash, loud guys who are actually really, really good guys who make it ugly guys who make weigh ins memorable or something like that. And Sabatello is just getting started. This is hardly, you know, this is hardly uh, the he's been around forever. He's been fighting for, what, four years or something. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is that he's, he's just got a lot. If you're a promoter, man, you, you ask for guys like Sabatello. Mean, nasty, tough. But when it comes time to get down there and be hard-nosed, that is what he does. Dude, look at them. Like, Lugo was able to stop a bunch of takedowns. Here we are uh, 90 seconds into the fight, and Lugo's on his back, and he's starting to have to deal with this dude. I mean, that's just what he's all about, dude. He is unrelenting, unforgiving. And, you know, he, I know he talks like that in interviews, but when you watch him fight, he's like that, too. Like, it's not like Sean Strickland, who is a very good fighter, obviously, but will say things like, oh, you know, outrageous shit that gets him banned on social. And then he fights in a very calculated, somewhat safe kind of way, which I have no issue with, but it doesn't match the rhetoric. No, it matches the rhetoric here.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to sum it up. It, it really, really does. I mean, he has gotten our attention, and there's obviously going to be those that hate it and don't think he's that great and want to see him get KO'd acting like that. But damn, does that put butts in seats and interest? So if you're Scott Coker, you got to love when Sabatella has been telling everyone this week, like, I love Bellator. I want to retire here. Like, you know... Uh, Okay, let's see if he's good enough to get to that level, Luke. Let's see if he is the next, you know, what what Pitbull and Chandler have meant to this promotion and now A.J. McKee as well. You know, we'll see what happens, but um, let's see if he can do this. He go tough enough to make it a, a good fight, but do you think we've seen enough striking from Sabatello to carry that same confidence we have for his intangibles and obviously for what he could do on the ground?
0: Big question, Marks, about that. Big question marks. For as good as he is in many respects, not really seeing a whole lot in the stand-up department that either tells me much, so I want to be reserved in my judgment. But what we have I mean, seen... So he's
1: better than Ben Askrin in, stri- in yes, hand combat, yes, right? Yes,
0: for sure. I mean, he's got some abilities there. It's not like he's got nothing going on. But, you know, we talk about A and B skill sets. Does he have enough in the B skill set to win if the A one isn't there? Not that yeah. I have seen. So this potentially, potentially could tell us something. I don't think that it will, but something to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, I mean, if you're going to be cocksure like that, Luke, you better hope it's you know not all cock. You better be sure. You know what I mean, Luke? That's the kind of spirit, right, that he's bringing to this fight, you're so uh, Luke. He, the other quarterfinal matchup, damn, really good as well. Magomed Magomedov, a minus one forty-five favorite. This will be his first appearance since losing to Rafian Stots in a very good three-round fight, uh, in which. He kind of was solved at what he does best to some degree, although he did rally back. Luke, tough matchup with Enrique Barzola, who's only plus 125. We did talk about that on Wednesday. I was surprised Barzola was that close, despite being a guy who's fought in the UFC and in many uh, respected federations around the globe here. Can he handle, though, that ragdoll technique that Mago Medoff is all about from Dagestan and really has caught my eye as one of these guys who has next... I'm not that dismotivated by the Stats loss, are you?
0: Um, I, I will tell you, I had a conversation last night with Danny Segura, and he's like, oh, you're sleeping on El Fuerte, which is, uh, in, is Barzola. And uh, so I was like, all right, the odds are already close. Like, for example, Sabatello and Ego. Sabatello is a minus 520 favorite. Now, again, Ego is not a bad fighter, but was a pretty wide odds. Sabatello probably should win this one, um, if not comfortably, but, you know certifiably but this one with Magomedov and Barzola I don't know so I went back and I watched some of Barzola's fights and his UFC fights like dude he fought Evloev like nobody looks good fighting that guy so not like you can ignore it but I don't know if it tells you a whole lot for this one and then I watched his Caldwell fight at Bellator 273 dude Barzola is a handful the big takeaway I had in that was one he has a lot of good scrambling ability a lot of good defensive wrestling ability but the biggest one, BC, and this is the one that like Stotts was able to use to his advantage. Stotts ultimately was able to use offensive wrestling and offensive grappling. I don't know if Barzola is going to have that in play against a guy like Magomedov. He has some of that for sure, but I don't know if that would be the deciding factor. But I will say this, dude, he was unrelenting in not giving up the takedown, or if the takedown happened, constantly fought position, like whatever. Caldwell wanted to do at every stage of whatever was happening in the grappling, he would not accept the position ever, ever. And so finally, by the third round, Caldwell was tired as shit and... Uh, so he goes we played Caldwell. We all kind of
1: just went, "Oh, that's Darian Caldwell!" Like, like somebody hit the one spot in the Death Star. But it, it was, let's give Barzola more credit for making him get to that point, right?
0: Yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to make is like people want to make, "Oh, well, Caldwell kind of just does this stuff." But dude, the, pay attention to the first two rounds where Caldwell could not keep this guy down, or if he got him down, it wasn't for very long, or if he got into a position, he just couldn't do anything with it. He resisted. That's the point I'm trying to make. He resisted with urgency. Every step of what Caldwell was trying to do in the grappling game, that has to pay dividends. Then by the time Caldwell shot in late, he stuffed it, took the back, and then pounded him out in the third and, and called it a day. Now again, Caldwell is not Mega Madoff. Megamadov is not Caldwell. But do I understand why people believe in Barzola's upside and why they think he can win this one? Yeah, I really do. I think this is a coin flip, to be quite honest with you. And um, Magomedov probably has more polish and has more outside skills than what Caldwell was able to show. And for that reason, I slightly still lean towards Magomedov. But, dude, this one is not as in the bag as a lot of folks. Oh, it's a Dagestani hammer versus a guy who got cut from the UFC. That's the wrong way to look at this.
1: Yeah, that's the wrong narrative for sure. And, and, and am I overrating Magomedov and I'm you know not being this nervous after seeing him go head to head with Stotts and, you know, not be able to find the answer and lose that fight. Why am I so confident? Well, Luke, I mean, you know, he, he beat Peter Jan in an absolute war. You know what I mean? He, you know, and he, and of course he lost the rematch, but he like, he can do some things in his first couple of Bellator fights where we got really introduced to him. You know, they were like, holy shit, this guy can really do it. I I did like some of the things he did in the second half of the Stotts fight, you know, was it alarming to see him contained like that? In some ways, yes, but I believe the motors there. I believe the you know the the pedigrees there. Um, if he beats Barzola and does so, where you're like, damn, I mean, he's the favorite to win this tournament, Luke.
0: Magomedov. That's
1: what I'm saying. If he goes out there and handles Barzola, which I, I agree with what you're saying. It, it's the the odds speak for themselves. It's going to be a tough ass fight. Like if he makes the statement he's capable of and bounces back from the Stotts loss in the way that I believe he can, he's going to exit that fight as as the man. Regarding, I mean, I, I know that's tough because Sabatello there and he's still largely unproven, but he's coming on. I mean, you know the old the old patchy mix is is no joke in in respect to uh, um who's the other, who's oh Stotts is the other guy in the other bracket. Yes,
0: yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like. If he wins this one he has to fight Patchy Mix and I would okay I might favor him to be Patchy but then he probably has to face the winner of Ego, Sap- Ego Sabatello or Stotts like if Stotts is oh, a winning Oh it's not going to be whole- easy. Yeah.
1: Luke but uh, but we'll know we'll know obviously in this fight if he can make some kind of statement whether he's got a chance to go back and write the wrong against Stotts which would be an incredible fight again in the first fight with Stotts clearly winning but still was it was you know it was a evenly matched fight for a lot of it.
0: You know what I'm saying, Luke? Yes. No, no, it wasn't some blowout. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But like would I f- if Magomedov beats Borzola here, would I see him as the favorite to win the tournament? No, I would not.
1: Yeah, yeah, favorite was the wrong word because it implies that everyone agrees with that. I guess I'm saying probably more of the, you know, the guy you're sleeping on, but still he could be coming on, and the same for Barzola, who fought his way in like Sabatello, winning a qualifying round. Now he's in the big dance. We know the names that are remaining. Uh, Luke, is it? Uh, uh, who are the two? Who are the two that are coming out of this tonight, Mohegan Sun?
0: I think Sabatello gets it, and I'm going to edge towards Magomedov. Sabatello, yeah. I'm reasonably confident. The Barzola and Magomedov fight, dude. I again, I'm going to lean Magomedov, but I don't know. What dude, this you? tournament
1: kind of rules right now. It's it's pretty badass, Luke.
0: Uh, it, dude, that's one of the best things Bellator's done. It's a shame that everything kind of didn't get going on schedule that they needed it to, and it kind of sucks that Horiguchi's out. But, like, dude, you, you know, uh, and then also that that Sergio Pettis is not in it. It's not the – Well, nothing that could went have been to-
1: damaging. So to bounce back like that and suddenly have a guy like Sabatello, and if Barzola gets the win here, holy shit, like to have those two names just inserted in to kind of mix it up a little, it's been great. It's been absolutely great.
0: I, I agree that the tournament is phenomenal, and for folks kind of sleeping on it, you shouldn't be these are going to be phenomenal uh um uh tournament fights tonight
1: uh luke also on that main card with the local flair because boy does brent iris Brennan ward pack up from the new london connecticut area wherever he fights in the greater area he'll be taking on cassius Kane. this is more about the get well if you if you're not aware brendan ward was out of the sport for five years with drug addiction and, and and in a really bad spot in life and was able to turn it all around and and you know, he's now revealing, Luke, that those big fights that we saw him in where he's always been all or nothing as a slugger, like, he wasn't even doing training camps for those. He's, like, all, like, completely doing drugs and partying like crazy and just living the rock star life. And so it's it's great that he turned it around and that he's back, but I don't know if you saw his comeback fight, Luke. It's still all or nothing in terms of what he brings for the style, so it's going to be worth watching. I don't know how good he can still be or, or you know, he seems like he's always going to be that guy that you, if you get him first, you get him but at the very least like great to see him back in the, in the you know in a spot in life where he deserves to be
0: sure uh, his style his uh, excuse me his story as you indicated was i mean he was headed in an extremely dark direction could have lost his life could have lost a lot of things uh but again i think he's a new father and has you know, um, gotten back to a place that seems significantly healthier and he's an all action fighter. He's from Connecticut. He'll be selling more tickets in that building than anybody else will, including the headliner. I, I firmly believe that. Um, so I, if, I you know, asking who's going to get the biggest pop on the main card, it's going to be Brendan Ward for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it, always fun to watch. So, um, I'm cheering for him in that regard that, that he's back at it. We'll see what Cassius Kane brings to the table. And if Brendan Ward keeps winning, some fun fights always with a guy like that. Um, gunslinger for sure. Luke, uh, can Brent premise, He's he'll be back in the prelim feature bout against Tough Alexander Chabili. Premis a plus 190 underdog. he was been the champ before, although it came with the injured ankle of the Chandler on what, the checking of the kick? Uh, mm-hmm. Either way, we've seen that he can do it before. He's getting a little bit long in the tooth. What do you see happening tonight?
0: Um. That one I'm not so sure because Primus can kind of fight in a lot of, or I should say happens to fight in a lot of different ways at times. I'll be curious to see what role close distance fighting and or the takedown plays in how Primus answers to Shibili's pressure. I think that's sort of what I'm paying attention to. It's very, I would say winnable fight in either direction. I do believe that. This is not some blowout at all, but I Shabili is Good. Like, really, really good. This is a not an easy fight for Premise. And by the way, you're talking about, like, Dark Horses, you know, in that Bellator organization generally, but certainly in that division. Shabili is at the top of that list.
1: And this undercard, the prelims, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern start on all those social media channels, YouTube of Bellator, Showtime Sports, Pluto TV. It's going to be worth watching. We've got Castingano against Pam Sorensen. We got Anatoly Tokov is coming on at middleweight, Luke. He's, he's, a, he's bringing it against Muhammad Abdullah, Sabahumasi, Cody Law, the the must see prospect. Alejandra Lara's back in a fight. She really must win. Uh, Killis Mota, Luke, rat garbage. I mean, uh, you know, on and on, Luke. There's a you know there's a lot of interesting candy in the international aisle. You know what I'm saying, Luke? There's a lot, lot to pick and choose from here. Uh,
0: the yeah, the whole card's got some fun stuff. I agree. It's okay, twelve twenty. Thank you, thank you, Luke.
1: All right, I mean, you know, sometimes when when you're in the flow. Time is irrelevant. It's about the quality of the
0: moment, Luke. Okay? It's not, but okay.
1: All right. Uh, Luke, PFL, also this evening from Atlanta. They're back at it, Luke. And in the main event, a guy that we we, we love talking about because he seems to be that good, the defending heavyweight champion Bruno Capaloza. We saw him in his in Season 1 offering. He did nothing to disappoint. Mateus Scheffel is the opponent here, Luke. Um Let's 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 buckle up, uh, Bruno. Bruno's won me over, Luke. He's won my heart.
0: Yeah, he's fun as shit. All action, big power, big big dude. Um, great story. Love everything about it. Uh, huge. Well, again, not any, not crazy favorite. Again, Umar Nurmagomedov is a much bigger one, but minus five sixty to Sheffield's plus plus four thirty. I'm going to guess BC, and this is just me speaking out, thinking out loud. I'm going to guess that uh, someone's going to be sent to the land of wind and ghosts in this one, and it is likely to be Sheffle
1: uh a minus -560 favorite +430 is Sheffel. Luke Anthony Pettis seems to be in a great spot. Physically, mentally, um he's a promoter on the side. He's still a fighter though and his submission win over uh Miles uh what? Miles Price is, is the gentleman I believe he put it on. Um showed us that in his offering to start off this year first round submission victory. Now he'll be a -200 favorite against the +170 Stevie Ray. Um could Showtime Pettis win this season in PFL? Like, is it it in play here, Luke, if he keeps up this Uh, look?
0: I don't know. He seems to be... uh, Listen, Anthony Pettis did a lot of great things in his career with the Wheaties box, the UFC lightweight title, the WEC title, the jumping off the cage. Like, he has had a very memorable career. But... And I think he probably beat Stevie Ray tonight. But Stevie Ray, you know, for all his limits, can grapple. He does have um, good experience. He... um, he, he he can win this one, dude. I, I just feel like Pettis is he's he's taking a lot of damage, and I think it's affected him. And he's also older now, and he's got a lot of other things going on. I you know can Pettis win it? Uh, you know, three four years ago, certainly. Today, I'm skeptical. I think he wins tonight. I do. I want to be clear about that. And you're right. He had a good bounce back performance in his last contest, but. I think that the sun might be setting on what he's fully capable of yeah, doing at this point. Yeah,
1: I mean, it would be asking a lot of him to put that little cherry on the end of his career, you know, being a PFL seasonal champion and the one million dollars and all that. I mean, it's great. Um, I, I, he shouldn't be getting into wars with people because, as we saw against Clay Collard, like there's a you know there's a certain level where he's in he's life or death against these guys. If he wants, if he lets it get there, you'd like to see him develop that same. Old age adjustment where you become a little bit more efficient, like Glover Teixeira focusing on the fundamentals of the ground game. Uh, you know, different fighters. I don't expect Pettis to do that, Luke. But if he can maybe be more strategic in how he's looking to, you know, take people down and, and, and lean, lean more things in his favor, potentially, Luke, rather than going out there and looking to flow and dance and hope to hit something big, you know?
0: A lot, but a lot of times, dude, he's just fighting off people kind of constantly trying to take him down. And his answer to that in the UFC was to light him up on the feet. And then, you know, like, for example, he hit Benson Henderson with that body kick. Henderson tries to take him down. And he hits him with an arm bar from the guard. Like, that's nice, but that's just not going to happen very often. Like, And it's not like he has got bad defensive wrestling. I don't mean that. But, like, have people shown an ability to occupy his time in, you know, advantageous ways in grappling situations for long stretches of rounds and ultimately fights? Yes. Yes, they have. And then in the process, he's taken a lot of damage over, the, over time. You know, can Stevie Ray execute on that? certainly in play i don't think it's likely but if even if he can't i think someone else in this tournament could
1: uh luke you're gonna have to look out for that heavyweight that six foot seven brazilian i told that we showed the highlights and have you seen this shit that one time you remember Henan fajita yeah he's back as a minus 450 favorite against a fellow by the name of kid clinton abreu who was plus yeah. 360 um I'm not. I don't know. I don't know how good this guy is, but he makes really fun for highlights, Luke. So I, and I'm he's
0: athletic at as shit too. Yeah. like Fajeda is not just a big puncher. That dude's like a phenomenal athlete, and he's enormous. I I tend to think he'll win tonight as well. The big one on this card, dude, is the Wade and Bokniak fight. That's the yep. one that's most interesting to me.
1: Yeah, that kicks off the main card there. Uh, plus three eighty for the UFC vet Bokniak. Uh Chris Wade minus four seventy five. Does that make sense to you, Luke?
0: because of his wrestling, yes, but Bockniak is a very very experienced fighter at this point. I think he knows what he's in for. Like you know if you're fighting Chris Wade, you know what the what the assignment is, right? Yeah. Uh, easier said than done. Uh and again, I favor Wade to win, but Bockniak and also Bockniak is a fucking savage dude. Like he can be down the entire fight. He is never going to not want to knock your head off. So it creates some danger no even even if Wade has like two great rounds, creates a lot of danger no matter what. Um, so that'll be a fun one to watch. And by the way, it uh, should be noted, PFL is not just going to be on ESPN tonight, which is a big thing. It's got a three-hour broadcast. They normally are again on ESPN 2 for two hours. Now they're on linear ESPN, the big one, and they're going to be on for three hours. I hope the pacing nothing. doesn't suck. Yeah.
1: I mean, can, the, can, their, can their cage really vacuum my rug and order room <laughs> service, Luke? I don't know. But, but that's not nothing to be in that spot. Also on this preliminary card... Bubba Jenkins will be a favorite there. Uh, Brendan Lachnan's back as a big favorite. But also Lance Palmer versus Shaman Marais, Luke. Yes. And the odds are very close. That could be an interesting one.
0: Yeah, Striker versus Grappler there as well. Um, Shaman Marais can, can do damage if you let him. Palmer's not going to try to do that. But will he be successful? Uh, very, very difficult fight to assess. Also, as you, I think you may have said it, Brendan Lachnan on this card opening it up yes. as well. Minus 600.
1: And he's looked good, dude. He's, look, look, he's getting better every fight, man. He's coming on. Uh, quick hitters time. Topic four, Luke. Uh, it's official now. The August sixth previously announced Showtime pay-per-view Jake Paul boxing return, uh, Madison Square Garden. The big deal. Well, he got the opponent he wanted. Now Tommy Fury has made it official. There was a back and forth on social media. Uh, Paul putting out the details, seemingly with the two million dollar purse, the drug testing, all the things that 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 uh, Tommy Fury said he needed. Well, they got it now. Fury's going to do it. Luke, the holdup or the thought about a holdup was that the Fury family, the extended clan, can't travel at the moment. Obviously, we know Big John Fury once took a man's eyeball out in a a bar fight, which is a felony. Uh, That's assault, brother, for sure. So he can't fly to the U.S. Right now, uh, Tyson Fury, heavyweight champion, uh, because of the whole Daniel Kinnahan situation, not allowed to fly to the U.S., which a lot of people are getting in our DMs saying, why don't you guys talk? What, what do you want us to say about it? I mean, like, it's there. We know it. Uh, it's not a good look altogether. Any big fight for, for Tyson's probably going to be in Europe anyway right now, so it doesn't really matter as much. But Fury said, F it, Luke. Tommy, that is. I'm taking this fight. It's happening, Luke. Amanda Serrano and the Colmain now has an opponent as well, Brenda Carbajal. I've seen the odds closer than I thought, the early odds, Luke, In terms of people believing Tommy Fury's quote unquote the real, the first boxer that Jake Paul's ever gonna fight. You and I both believe this is a Jake Paul setup to look great because Fury has not looked great of late. Is there some fool's gold in there? Is Tommy Fury been, he's been playing, you know, rabbit, Luke? What's the animal? Possum?
0: Possum, yeah. Roadkill?
1: Is he playing possum, Luke?
0: I don't know. I saw, I don't even remember who his opponent was on the uh, Fury versus Dillian White undercard i just remember watching tommy and being like i this I, that,
1: I, dude that'd be a long con that'd be a long invested a super, <laughs> con.
0: it would be an amazing con if he's been playing possum all this time and he comes out and just blitzes um uh jake paul i mean i'll say this like i think i think fury has enough ability to win rounds this will be an eight round cruiserweight contest i believe um so I think he's got the ability to win rounds. Like does he have the overall does he have an overall more pure boxing game? He might. Again, it's very hard to tell with two guys with with this limited experience and ability, but um I do believe this. I do believe Jake Paul is firmly convinced he can beat the brakes off this guy and it looks to me like Jake Paul is clearly a much harder hitter than Tommy Fury. Um Tommy Fury against uh, the guy who he fought when we were there in Ohio, the guy who fought in Bellator, forget his name. Um, But, you know, I was expecting him to shine in that one, and he didn't. It's almost like he is not making the progress that you thought he would have made to this point. Because he has, what, eight fights? Something like that? Um, You know, not that that's a ton of experience, but you would have thought he would, like, from where I saw him at two, three, four fights... Where he is now, I just haven't seen the progress. And again, it wasn't like Jake Paul versus Tyron the second time was amazing. That fight was not great until Jake Paul just absolutely destroyed him. And again, you go back to it. Uh, Woodley thought it was going to be a body shot because Jake did set it up, brings his hand down, opens it up, and he just gets drilled with a shot. That's good boxing. Like that's good boxing. You he's know? You pretty good you for
1: this level. And I think even you know in the UK they look at Tommy Fury as a reality star bo- fighter. You know, so it's like he's got the Fury name. He shares a father with Tyson Fury they have separate mothers we we've we've joked about it he's so good looking you know it's clear he doesn't take after the family in many regards and also I think as a fighter unfortunately or at least up to this point I mean I, I just don't see anything that gives me confidence I don't I've, I haven't seen a thing that gives me I've watched a couple of his fights it's like he's he's okay he's not good you know I mean, he, like,
0: you know he's, he's he's a big strong kid you'll give him that um, I'm sure he works hard I give him that. But like, again, like where you're supposed to be at eight pro fights in, I just don't see a whole lot there. But at the same time, I'm going to go back to it. I think Jake Paul has more ways to win. But do I think he's got like the razzle dazzle on him in ways that like Tommy Fury has no answer for? I'm less convinced by that. I mean, dude, think about it. Jake Paul could have easily moved on from Tommy Fury if he really felt like there were other great opponents he could easily defeat and get some good money from. I don't know that he actually views it that way. I think he views this as another important step in his own actual boxing development to see. This is like a trial balloon. Could an Anderson Silva fight make sense? Could something else out there make sense that I could reasonably do? And how can I can I get my boxing to a point where where um those are actually in play it doesn't like i i again i firmly believe he probably will beat tommy fury and i think he believes very sincerely that tommy fury is a level or two below him but what i think this is really about is not just making money and everything else it's a bit of a test case for like okay what is actually possible among other guys out there who i can escalate to that would say something about um my ability
1: whether that's a Chavez Jr. who we, you know, whispered right. about before, or Silva, which I think is a really tough fight at this point, although the longer you wait for it, Silva's going to be 50 before we know it. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree largely on everything that you're categorizing, Jake, here. Um, there's a narrative, though, that can develop. Like, you look at this, you go, okay, it wasn't, you know, he's not fighting Nate, so it's not going to be maybe what it could have been. And, you know, having Tyson Fury in your corner physically could have helped things, and that does that can't happen here either. But what about a scenario where this becomes a war, maybe an accidental war? Maybe, you know, Jake Paul gets dropped by a big shot and he's got to really navigate stormy waters only to come back and deliver a knockout himself. There is a a way to grow, certainly in the entertainment factor, if this ends up being the best fight of this journey so far. But I think even in the public, like, that's the best way you can win people over that are skeptical or that don't like you. Go out there, overcome it, but still deliver, Luke. It's possible in this matchup.
0: Yeah. I mean, do I think that Jake Paul can't... There's no way Jake Paul loses? Like, no, I don't... I I think there's very much a way he loses this one. I just don't see it as the likeliest. Again, dude, Jake Paul's got a lot of, like, real... um, There's a design in, in all of this. There's real, clear intentionality design. And I think he believes that's the next appropriate step for a lot of reasons. Money, fame, blah, blah, blah. But also... I need this guy at this moment to see exactly where my boxing is and what is reasonably possible after.
1: You're right, because the one, probably the greatest skill that Jake has had this journey along with the marketing side of it, uh, you know, he's been pretty savvy there too, but he's not defensively irresponsible. So we've seen things fall apart for him when he's looked winded at times against Woodley, but he's always sort of navigated those waters safely without, like, you know, leaving his hands down and his chin out. So I think that's preserved him i do want to see him like everybody else in a real fight meaning he's given and taken the woodley fights had moments of that but it wasn't sustained where it's a three four five round fight getting up off the deck fighting your way out of it maybe this is that one who knows we'll find out august 6th luke serrano as i mentioned in that co-main oh, a couple more quick hitters katz who is fighting pam Sorensen tonight she kind of thought she already should be fighting chris cyborg for the featherweight title and now they're going back and forth, Luke, on Twitter, what did you make of this? It was, do we have the, the, the physical evidence here?: We should. It was Ngingano basically saying, "I'll only fight uh, Kat, or I'll only fight Chris Cyborg, excuse me, with a drug test," which we've heard people say that before, but almost Luke, it sounded like she was criticizing the drug test system within Bellator and saying, "Look, under this system, like I don't trust that, that I'm going to be fighting a clean version of you, but also... You had the champ, Chris Cyborg, coming back and saying Kat was 9-0 and with wins over Misha and Nunes. Then USADA comes around in 2015 and she goes 1-4 cents. Then she goes 2-0 and after leaving USADA and fighting on YouTube, meaning uh, Bellator on, on Friday night there. Uh, Luke, does Cyborg win this um, Street Justice Wednesday beef on this show, or you don't care?
0: Uh, well, first of all, she definitely wins the, the Twitter back and forth, such as that's a thing you can win. Um, and I definitely would... I mean, listen, dude, like, is it a foregone conclusion Zingano beats Pam Sorensen? I, I, you might favor her to win. Okay, again, I'd take that seriously. It's not like Zingano's been setting the world on fire in Bellator. No. Like, she, yeah. it's, she's had... It's been okay, but, like, this idea, like, she's... You know, I, I, I do believe that if she beats Sorensen, for sure, she probably will get the title shot. Okay, that's that's a fair thing to to sort of plan for and and then, you know consider, but it's not like it's a foregone conclusion she beats Pam Sorensen um again you might think it's likely, but I don't know if that's possible and even if she does like I would heavily favor cyborg to beat um to beat uh yeah cat another part too is like I mean I mean just MMA fans can sit there and pretend that they I want a fucking clean sport get the fuck out of here with this nonsense just it means absolutely nothing to me dude coker and and bellator have been doing commission testing which is not in any way rigorous not that rigorous testing makes all that much of a difference but probably some and fans have never cared they don't do jack shit and overseas promotions and fans never care it's kabuki theater it doesn't mean fuck all i don't care if they did testing at all i wouldn't care if they handed out fucking d-ball in giveaway bags at the front door it means nothing to me at whatsoever and you know, oh. like if you wanted to like if you if you want like rigorous testing and that actually matters to an athlete, I don't have a problem with that. I have zero problem with that. Like athletes who don't want to compete under those conditions should have the option to not do that. But then don't sign with an organization that relies on commission testing, which is what happens here because that cyborg is going to be subject to the same rules as every other fighter in this space and um you signed up for it. Like, uh, this is a thing that, that athletes who compete in Bellator agree to. Now, also, I don't think it's wrong to say, hey, on top of that, for a championship-level fight, we should do VADA testing. But, dude, like, Cyborg was under USADA's um, governance for the, for the time that they were, they overlapped for her time there in UFC – are you going to tell me that her performances in Bellator look radically different? They look exactly the same. Opponents are a little bit different. That's fine. But to me, it's like all of this hemming and hawing. If an opponent, wa- if a fighter wants it, they obviously have the right. I support Kat Zingano's right to ask for these kinds of things. But but fans getting out there and being like, "This really matters to me." It's just so completely disingenuous that I cannot take it seriously for five seconds.
1: All right. <laughs> hard words from a hard man right there for sure it's not um, I, I I dude, give,
0: how hard is it like i i, I just i just feel like no, the, drug it, deba- it, the drug debate it. is to me how many angels can we fit on the yes. head of a pin so it's so the you, dumbest it's not about fucking debate two.
1: it's about the larger picture we know that um i'll give zingano credit for still being at this level at this age she's been through a lot personally professionally injury wise like she's been through a lot and she's still here but Luke, she's not the—you know—that's not the fighter who need Misha Tate in the face brutally and knocked her out in a great fight. Like that—that that fighter's not here anymore, Luke. Unfortunately, so she's gonna have to be that to make this beef really matter, because that would mean that she's got a—I mean, look, anything can happen. Chris—Chris uh, Chris getting older too, but I agree with you. I couldn't—I couldn't find a huge path to victory for her if she get, gets to that point or, or, or not. Uh, Luke, what I do kind of care about though is tonight, Hollywood, Florida. BKFC uh, 26, Uh, Luke, I've been following the soap opera that is Uh, Britain Hart, now Britton Beltran, who uh, she's an effing feeling. She's a BKFC star, Luke, and she's going to have a rematch on this card against Beck Rawlings. Rawlings won by split decision. It was Britain's debut. Luke, Joey Beltran now in the head of that household. Um, I cheer for them. Do you care about this fight, Bretton Hart? Beltran brings it, Luke. This first fight was a scrap fest. Beck Rawling still has something. Or I think she goes by Beck Rodriguez these days, Luke. Uh, you don't care at all, right? Is this all me? This is all. Well, I, all I mean,
0: I, is, when I say I don't care, I don't mean to like impugn athletes who are literally fist fighting for a living, and to say that like these are people that no one should care about. That's not what I'm saying. But of, of, all, of the limited bandwidth that I have. BKFC just doesn't occupy any kind of meaningful space, and I have to make choices about how I apportion my time.
1: I just, I'll just
0: say this: this women's strawweight
1: division is it women's uh, flyweight? Excuse me. There's a lot of like, you know, you got Rachel Ostovich, you get, you had PVZ there, you got, uh, I don't know if you know about Taylor Starling, Luke. I mean, there's like, this is like a reality show. It's like, it's almost real pro wrestling. Like, it's so like. Like w- w- if there's a county fair version of Jersey Shore, Luke, this is what it is. Okay, I mean it's it is what it is, Luke. All right, but I I kind of dig it, and the fights are ridiculous too. Um,
0: Listen, I'm not. Here's the thing. It sounds like I'm like, oh, no one should care about BKFC. That's not my argument. That's not what I'm saying at all. People like it. I do think there's a market for it. And I've said before, it's not like they sign all the free agents, but they are an interesting player in the MMA free agent sweepstakes by virtue of like they get a couple person people here. They got Chad Mendez. They got Jimmy Rivera. They got Greg Hardy. They got Mike some Perry. interesting names that they play hey, with Mike that kind of shakes things up. People seem to like it. I'm just telling you, man, I got, I got, to, I got to make choices about my time. All right. I, I don't have time for I, that. Look,
1: Britt needs this win, okay? So this is going to be a tough hill to climb. We'll break it down on Monday <laughs> in detail. Uh, in the main event, by the way, Elvin Brito defends his PKFC Welterweight Championship against Luis Palomino. That doesn't matter.
0: Luis Palomino you. is a goddamn savage. Believe that. I know that for okay. real. Do you, you ever see his interview with Danny Segura? No, I, I should now. I, I, probably I'll not. I, you know, I, now, that I asked, now that I asked that, I realized it was in Spanish, but it was on his personal YouTube <laughs> channel and I saw it. Well, here's the thing. Palomino
1: never understood it yeah go ahead well I mean
0: okay fair enough but the the point I wanted to make was Palomino like Glover Teixeira uh they asked because he asked him like how did UFC never sign you because you think about people and I'm not saying he would have gone and won a title in UFC but you think about people who are like who had big careers on the regional scene who never went to like a real major promotion now he did fight for World Series of Fighting but you know what I'm saying uh UFC did want to sign him he was here illegally Luis Palomino was here illegally, and he didn't have the kind of papers he needed to get that. Now, I think he's uh, since uh, resolved his immigration situation, which I'm happy to hear. But, you know, his career kind of suffered a little bit because he didn't have the proper immigration status. I know everyone says, oh, I'm getting in line. Yeah, but America's immigration system is completely fucking broken. So, you know, he had to do what he had to do, and I understand that. It's just a shame we didn't get to see him on the big stage. But here he is. Dude is out there just handing out brain damage left and right in BKFC. I'm happy to see him in a much more stable place in his career, let's say.
1: Dude, he's 41. He's still a hammer, as you mentioned, from Peru. He's won all six of his BKFC, I think all of them, by knockout fights. He's the reigning lightweight champion for BKFC, and now he's moving up to welterweight to fight uh, for this title. So that's a story in itself Also, there's an interim middleweight title bout with Yuli Diaz against Francisco Ricci. I know you don't care about that. Do you care about Jimmy Rivera making his bare-knuckle debut here against Howard Davis at Featherweight?
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see how Jimmy—Jimmy's got great striking. He's always had a pretty good jab. He's always had—you know, he was a good fighter. And when I say was, I mean when he was competing in MMA. This is obviously not MMA. He could go back to it, which I think he had indicated previously. Um Curious to see exactly how that translates because he also had something of a reserved style in MMA and BKFC is many things. <laughs> reserved ain't one of them. So no, I will be uh, curious to see how yeah. that translates. That is something different. Yeah, it is. It is something different.
1: Uh, Luke, hardcore fan alert. I, I don't promote this from the sense of like you got to work your life plans around it, but Dazone has like a four hardcores only boxing card on Saturday from I saw San Antonio. This, yeah. So here's the deal in the main event. Jesse Bam Rodriguez, who's trained by Robert Garcia. He's only 22. He's a champion in the WBC at 115 pounds. This is, uh, you know, super flyweight. This is the division that Chocolatito, all those guys had wars. Now he's defending his title against that guy who beat Chocolatito twice and, in fact, knocked him the hell out. And that's Srisaket Sor Rungvisai. Luke, this is the guy that eats rats. That's his delicacy. So when he shows up to the airport after fights, they give him trays. With, I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, he took like a year off recently because he had a breakup and a relationship, and he was like, "The heartache is too much. I can't go back." Like he's a real dude. Bro, Luke.
0: I'm not gonna shit on him. I've been there. That shit will break you down to the ground, man.
1: So he actually hasn't fought elite competition in like four years. But after finishing Chuck or winning twice, finishing him. He then split fights against Juan Francisco Estrada, and we want to see a trilogy between them. So, dude, he's that dude. He's 35 now. He wears Keith Van Horn socks up to his neck. But Luke, him against Bam Rodriguez. Dude, this is going to be a war for the title at 115. Chocolatito's still around. Juan Francisco Estrada's still around. Like, this division's great. And how about this in the co-main? Murijan of yes, yes, the guy who has the yes. other two belts in the 122-pound division. He's got Ronnie Rios, who's nobody's joke in front of him on Saturday, and if he wins, Luke, it seems like him and Stephen Fulton Jr. in a four belt undisputed fight is like realistic for later this year. I don't know, you know. There's some network and promoter play that has to go down there, Luke. Right? Here's the church, here's the steeple, open. You know, you know where I'm going with that, and see all the people. The people will show up for that fight. So you care about this one for MJ? No,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, only if they can make a Akhmedaliev and Fulton fight. Other than that, I don't care.
1: Okay. Uh, we were supposed to get Julio Cesar Martinez back in a title defense. You should have cared about that. He's off because of injury. But Jessica McCaskill will also uh, defend her all four women's welterweight world titles against Alma Ibarra. So interesting, you know, like I said, hardcore, hardcore's only card. Check it out. Couple other quick nuggets, Luke, and then we'll get the hell out of here with this fan bullshit. All right? Um, UFC 276, that's next weekend, International Fight Week prelims are going to air on espn and abc is that big
0: yeah so i think the early prelims will air on espn and then the sort of middle prelims will air on abc excuse me sorry early prelims on espn main prelims such as you can call them that on abc and then of course the event itself will air on pay-per-view but that is a big deal dude can you can you believe that? On ABC they're just gonna air, you know, not even UFC's best product. I mean, that's, they're good fights, but the best product obviously is the one they're gonna sell. Uh shocking. Shocking. I yeah. mean I know they've done and, it before. And, they had cater and and, and whatever, but uh, and, and Holloway. But I'm just saying, like But this is prime time, like this yeah, is legit. Exactly. Saturday
1: night, prime time, July second. Uh Luke, they've reshuffled the lineup a bit. It's now gonna be Jessica I, Macy Barber in the early prelim main event, featured fight, whatever you wanna call it. And they put Cowboy Cerrone, who's going to fight Jim Miller a second time. We'll get to that in a second. But they put that in the main card, and they pulled down. uh, What was the the main card that they pulled down? Did did you see that?
0: I know they pushed um, O'Malley versus Munoz. That's it. So
1: O'Malley versus Munoz will now be on ABC, Luke, in primetime. That's not a bad idea at all. Not a bad idea.
0: No, not a great idea as a matter of fact.
1: Not a bad um, idea at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, this shows, Luke, that they, they want to be in the Sean O'Malley, Sugar Sean O'Malley business, right? Like, I know there's always talk, is his contract going to run out? Is he going to go do whatever? No, they want to be in that business, Luke. And Which I think he wants ABC? to be in
0: business with them, too. I think it's pretty mutual, and I'm glad to see he's getting... Like, now it's like, okay, you got all of those fights under your belt to get your you know your feet under you, your, your, your career going. The Chido Vera thing didn't work out for him, but it feels like... What, when's the Sean O'Malley push going to happen for himself and by the organization right here? Right here, right, here, right now.
1: Uh, so here's what's happening. It's almost like I talk this into existence. Bobby Green's out of 276. He was, for undisclosed reasons, he was going to fight Jim Miller. So UFC's taking Cowboy Cerrone, who lost his fight a few times with Lozon, and matched them up together for the second time. The first time, Luke, you may remember, second-round knockout for Cowboy in 2014. But here's where they're at. This would be Miller's 40th UFC fight. It'd be the 38th for Cowboy, and both are currently tied with Andre Arlovsky for the most wins in UFC history. I know the. I sort of staged it as a, let's give these two legends one final bout so the winner walks away for however long it lasts as the winningest fighter in history, and then they both go off as heroes. I don't think that's going to happen, Luke. But are you into this idea to sort of like Let's give these guys not only a huge victory lap, let's put it on the main pay-per-view card, and the winner is the winningest guy we've ever had.
0: That's I kind of like it. I kind of dig yeah. it. I, I think Jim Miller's in a good spot to win here, but uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, if you're going to do old guy fights, there's right ways and wrong ways to do them. This feels like more of the right way.
1: This is a- almost a BMF-type presentation, right? It's kind of, like, it kind of has that feel.
0: I don't know if I go that far, but um, like there's
1: no fake title bell at stake, but they're fighting for the freaking records of like most wins and appearances. Like that's that's pretty badass to circle no, that's back. Pre- it's,
0: de- it's definitely very cool. I agree with so that.
1: So it's yes. like you can argue that 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 record itself, which is based on longevity and a lot of things, like some people say, Well, you know, it's a little overrated, it's more just showing up, but it's not, obviously. But like to have to basically say, Okay, if you want this record, beat the guy you're tied with. That's fantastic, Luke. That's central casting. Yes, All right, that, let me that is very
0: cool. Somewhat somewhat poetic. Good opportunity.
1: Uh, Luke, um, sources from fighthype.com, which has long been the mouthpiece for Floyd Mayweather, he gives them exclusive interviews, and really nobody else. Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor 2 is in discussion for a nine-figure Mayweather payday. Um, it's certainly big news, if real, but would this mean that Dana and company would get back on board for something like this, Luke. Because even if they did a half of that first fight, it's a freaking blockbuster, Luke.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's <sighs> the first one seemed almost unicornish, even though it spawned a, a million imitators that we either uh, promised and never delivered or got some kind of version of it. I golly, because Floyd. W- would it still be part with Showtime I I don't know what his I would have to
1: I would I would guess without knowing it would be a two network Showtime ESPN deal that's what I Yeah,
0: something like that. I mean, do these parties want to do that again. I guess for the money that they would because it was so big to your point even if it did half it would still be enormous. I don't know though. Like I feel like the warm I mean, you know, when the when the news got out there yesterday again, it's not exactly clear if there's a whole lot of legs to it, but I figured there would be a lot of chatter about it. I didn't see a lot of chatter about it, man. MMA fans I seem like they're like I think people
1: eh. Yeah, I think most people assume, okay, did Floyd and Connors teams maybe talk about it? Sure, but there's that big elephant in the room. Like, if Dana White and company are going to go back in on this, Luke, uh, it would make sense. It makes sense for Disney ESPN. Like, it makes sense, dude, because Floyd's even older. It's five years later, right? Or four years or whatever it is. Bro, you want some
0: breaking news? Yeah. Along these lines, similar to this? Katie Taylor versus Chris Cyborg is reportedly in talks to potentially take place as a boxing match in December. Cyborg, wow. of course, an MMA fighter, former UFC champion, but has not had a professional boxing match before. She did fight Yorina Bars in kickboxing and got demolished. Yurina Bars put it on her. But um, what do you make of Katie Taylor versus Chris Cyborg?
1: it it's certainly a, an attraction fight that almost is like old school like it should be in pride or something it's not quite jose canseco with a with a bat walking up <laughs> to the ring believe that i mean it, it's it's much Against different Hong than Man that Choi. but i mean it's like who could be the most credible person to fill this slot the slot that chris cyborg is forming for this which would be which would probably do big business it certainly is a oh crap what does that look like type of fight for sure but if somebody's going to get that and almost earn it without even having a professional boxing fight, is Chris Cyborg the closest? Like, is she the, is she the one? Is she that unicorn? She probably is, Luke. I don't know what that means to the idea of her being competitive or winning this fight. I really don't. You know I mean? I could see it. Yeah, Katie like, Taylor
0: is going to beat her and going to beat her handily. Again, I, yeah, saw, like, I watched could... the Arena Bars fight happen live. I was watching it. Dude, it wasn't close at all. Arena Bars crushed her. Um, and dude, I've Cyborg's—you know—an amazing, amazing MMA fighter. It, it will never cease to amaze me how much MMA fighters will fight on something that they know is an a, a, a right. outrageously uphill climb for checks that they just can't get in MMA. It is—it is—it will never cease to amaze me.
1: So certainly, we can both see it being one-way traffic potentially. Maybe it's competitive. Maybe it's—I mean, who knows? Probably not. But would you want this for Chris Cyborg though? Like this is. This is her pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Would you want that I mean, dude, I'm
0: always of two minds of these kinds of things. Like, on the one hand, I'm, like, tired of watching MMA fighters take L's for cash. Yeah. You know, like, it sucks to see. It's like, you know, and and I had a similar kind of feeling when James Tony came and fought Randy Couture. It was like, ah, I feel bad for James. I mean, Tony wanted the money, and, you know, everyone's going to make their own choices, and he was probably happy with it in the end. Oh, dude,
1: if he wasn't fighting that night there, he would have been fighting off TV and, like, in like Detroit or something, like dude, that's know, where he was I know, at. I know, I know, career, but at the
0: same time, it's like, dude, like what is the? And I keep going back to this: Am I happy if this happens and Cyborg gets a check that she otherwise couldn't get in MMA? No question, no question. I'm happy about it, and I don't know what the answer is to the question I'm about to ask. I don't think know if any of us do. But what is the long term cost of MMA fighters who are because of the way the industry is structured can't get the money that they're owed? Constantly, I'm not going to say debasing themselves because that's not quite right, but constantly putting themselves in positions to get overwhelmed and sometimes very badly lose in an effort to chase money that is otherwise unattainable unattainable to them. Maybe the answer is nothing. Maybe folks just realize, well, MMA is different. I don't know, man. I wonder. I wonder about what the long-term cost of that is.
1: No one's going to hold that against them. Even getting, an, you know, even an. You embarrassing sure about that long
0: term? Con- con- no, like I, I really don't think year after year after year after year of getting viciously knocked out, badly embarrassed. Okay, well, I mean, it's not really? one
1: person getting viciously knocked out four or five years in a row in these, unless somebody becomes that star level where you'd pay for it. But um, I think it's more of. Is the, what's the long-term vibration to, like, the fighter pay talk and all that? That's where, like, how does that affect, you know? Because th- that was the question that you rightfully interrupted Dude, me with this... the breaking news. The question was, would Dana go back to this side of the street for Floyd Connor too, just because there's so much money there it's ridiculous and not do that for Francis and a Tyson Fury thing? Like, would he Dude. draw that line or does this mean he's opening the door back for Francis to do it and whoever gets to that
0: level? To anyone paying attention, this is the answer to the fighter pay question. Let's just be very blunt about it. The fighters are not going to unionize. They're basically afraid, whether rationally or not. They're not going to do it. The Ali Act, I mean... I don't, you know, Congress doesn't pass laws anymore that meaningfully improve anyone's life, so I don't know when the fuck that would ever happen. It did have bipartisan support, but, you know, um, the Trumps and the Emanuels were closely tied. Even if it had somehow made it to his desk, I'm certain he would have vetoed it. Again, he's a fan of the UFC, like that would that would pay long-term dividends. He might be back in office in 2 years, who's to say? So there's that. And then on top of it you have the lawsuit, which is just, you know, who the fuck knows what's going to happen with this boxing and losing in fights that you're almost certain to get your ass kicked in that is what mma fighters have chosen as the solution to the fight or pay problem that that clearly is what they are electing to do so you're asking what it what it means? Dude, what it means is it's already here. This is this is what they see as their as their release clause. This is what they see as their parachute to get the money that otherwise wouldn't happen. They're not going to unionize. They're not going to do anything else. So what it means for that is nothing to me. It doesn't mean jack shit. What I'm asking is a separate question, which is what does it mean to consistently watch MMA fighters get their asses kicked in fights for checks that they can't get in terms of MMA's reputation and standing and otherwise versions of popularity. And you might be right, BC. Your answer might be, yeah, people just forgive it. I, and I can't I can't disagree with that because I don't know. All I'm asking is for people to be, to not be so glib about yeah. what the long-term costs are of watching oh. your favorite athletes go to a different sport and get constantly humiliated. That's it's what I'm more saying.
1: The, look, it's very hard to pull off an event like that and make huge amounts of money despite all these fights that we say maybe sometimes wrong we're like oh that fight would be a million and a half maybe we're long maybe we're wrong some people think Tyson Fury versus uh, Ngannou won't do anything because neither have been you know overwhelming pay-per-view brands on their own but the th- the deal is Luke I think more than likely if MMA fighters were getting starched you, that would be the end of it that balloon would pop people wouldn't be interested anymore right like maybe cyborg stretched maybe gets that's true mm-hmm. and, and then you know, like, I, I, do I think people could? Do I think you could sell Floyd Connor too five years later, an older Floyd? Yeah, I, yeah, I think you could. I think you could, Luke. You you could almost talk yourself into the idea of Connor having a better chance now than than ever. You know, or maybe Floyd looks at him as a broken sort of brand and, and thinks he can cash him out. I don't know. It's interesting. It was, we'll see if it comes alive, Luke. Um, the transition here is that the final um, quick hitter was El, <laughs> Ali Abdelaziz uh, saying that. Are he we doing this? Right now, Are we really doing this? No, it's this? my transition to dead wrong. <laughs> he <laughs> believes right now, Habib, who's 200 pounds, could fight at middleweight and and stop Adesanya for uh for the title. Luke, um, do you think he is uh onto something, Luke, or is Dude, he?
0: MMA sites must be like desperate wrong. for shit to post because it's not like I'm even mad at Ali. Like, have your opinion. Like, you want to believe that uh, you know Habib can win? Maybe you can believe that. You can say that. Like, why? Why are we posting like I, I also believe that um, pears are tastier than oranges. Would someone like to post this as something? It's as equally relevant as that. I mean, it's just okay, I cannot okay. believe. That we people get the like, picture. Made the rounds or something.
1: Luckily, we have a segment unlike Ali where we'll, we'll sit in front of the camera and take our L if, if it's necessary. If you have proof, I'll straddle that fence. I'll tumble for you, okay? Morningcombat at gmail.com is your entry point, but you better have receipts to make sure we work.
0: Dead wrong. Dead wrong.
1: All right, this first one is from court. Hello, BC. At an hour 31 of last Friday's show, you said James Tony finished Vasily Jirov, but that is dead wrong. It is, in fact, dead wrong. It went to the judges and they awarded Tony a controversial unanimous decision. I'm not sure if you forgot this fact or if your brain is malfunctioning due to the backlog of unrecycled gas station donuts clogging your jaundiced liver. Thanks for the show. Wow, Luke, that is just like... Dude, the know. gratuitous insults
0: at the end are really what sells that. You
1: just zorro me on the way out there. Wow, that was great. Yeah, no, actually in the moment I realized I was dead, I was dead wrong. I'm, I was referring to the big, was it a knockdown or whatever? It was that big surge that Tony had and Emmanuel Stewart went crazy. It was a decision. I realized that in the moment. I didn't train wreck the show to say it. I was dead wrong. I'll take that, L. You got your shots in court, okay? Congratulations. Let's go over to uh, Ghazi from London, Luke. He says, hey, Donks, at an hour 58 of episode 311. Whoa, dude, was our last episode episode 311?
0: I don't even know.
1: Because I I made like two 311 references that day. I was like, hey... Hey, lady, is your name Amber or is that just the color of your energy? Okay, maybe I didn't say that one, but that would have been decent, Luke. No, I'm um, saying that,
0: today is 315, so that would have been 314.
1: All right, forget it. He says at episode 311, Luke says, This is the Uzbek flag, I believe, when referring to an AMC ring walk during Have You Seen This Shit. That was, in fact, the Azerbaijani flag. Ooh. Disappointing from Luke with Azerbaijan being a neighbor of his home country, Armenia. Yes,
0: a warring neighbor.
1: <laughs> the Uzbek flag is blue, white, and green for future reference, not the blue, red, and green of Azerbaijan. Ah. Love the show, though, guys. Thank yes, you, my flag guys.
0: knowledge is certainly lacking. I will, I will uh, cop to that. I'll take that L.
1: All right, this one's from uh, Taff. He says, huge fan of the show, but during episode 312, Luke says that Wales used to be called S- kaimru Simru. And c- Simru, and claimed it was their old name. I am Welsh and can confirm that "simru" is simply the Welsh tradition for the word Wales, and is stalled referred is is something referred to uh, often referred to as "simru" by all Welsh speakers. I think that's what he's saying. Look, it's it's garbage. It's gar it's it's Gaelic here. Uh, that is an old name. The Wales name has never been changed. Huge fan of the show, I, dude. I hate this segment sometimes. Yeah, right, see Luke? that
0: that one to me is a little pedantic. It's like. I understand what he's saying, but okay. I mean, just Um,
1: whatever. Okay. If they're saying it's the same thing and you're dead wrong, so Luke, take the L, okay? I guess take it. I'll take that L. Sit on it. Uh, This is from Todor, T O D O R, Todor, Todor. Hey, Donks, I guess half the UK will be in your inbox tonight to correct Luke's claim at 1.33 of Wednesday's show that t- Sean Connery is Welsh. Oh,
0: this one I did fuck up, yes.
1: He's actually Scottish, love the show, and please yes. release that High Court episode I don't know why I thought he was Welsh. I, I, I fucked that one up
0: completely. I knew he wasn't British, I knew that, but uh, yeah, fuck that up, fuck did that up. Did you hear
1: Tador's sign-off? He says, please release that High Court episode already. Dude, I say that in every meeting. Let's I don't know why
0: it. you guys want to punt when you could actually wait and get a lot of traffic from it rather than publishing it and getting probably a fraction of the views. Like dude, what? I don't even remember
1: like what stance we took or what jokes I made. Like I actually want to see it myself. It was so long ago in my mind, dude. All
0: right.
1: I don't know why that matters. It's performance art, Luke. People want it. They know it's there. Do they more. It, do though. more art. All right. Uh, this one's from Chandler. Hello from North Idaho, donks. I'm 21, and I've been a huge fan of the show for years, but I'm here to slide into the DMs for a dead wrong. On Friday's episode 312 at 3215, the BBC with the BDE stated that Kevin Holland's win over Buckley came immediately after Buckley's spectacular knockout of Kasanganai. This is dead wrong. Holland's win over Buckley actually came the fight before the Buckley knockout over Impa. Maybe BC should stop drinking his AG1 like a bozo and mix it like any sane human would to better support that aging that is clearly resulting in memory loss. Stay frosty. It's Chandler. Wow. I'm uh, just, yep. Remember uh, Eric Morales in the third Pacquiao fight when he got knocked down? He was just like, nope. <laughs> yeah, you got me. You got me there, Luke. I, 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 what do I say,
0: Luke? Here's I, how I know we're both getting old. Certainly in my case, there are things I used to know, like the back of my hand. Like it was just. I had a view of certain things. Like, There's no way I'll ever forget this. And now tasked to like recite it or whatever, the details of it, I, I'm like, it's all hazy. That's how you know you're getting old as fuck. Yes, yes.
1: Uh, look, this is from somebody named Kai, K-Y, and K-Y. they wrote, will BC once again make a KY
0: jelly joke?
1: Probably would.
0: That was Probably the first have. thing that came to mind when you said that. <laughs>
1: Uh, This is Kai from Ontario. On Wednesday's episode at 1542, while discussing the potential title shot for the winner of Cater Emmett, Luke states, quote, they would be, you know, in the on-deck circle or something like that. They wouldn't be up next to bat, referring to the UFC's likely preference to give this title shot to Yair if he beats Ortega. Well, Luke, kind sir, the term on-deck actually means next up at bat, while the proper term in this context would have been in the hole. The weather where you Dude, are broadcasting
0: baseball. Eat a dick baseball. If you're a baseball fan, fuck off, drop dead.
1: The ter- you know I often when I <laughs> Luke when I go for the high crotch and I run the pipe, I al- often do it in the hole, where this guy's mentioning. Um Luke, the the term in the hole refers the player next in line to bat following the on deck batter. BC, how is the weather where you are broadcasting from? Did you get caught in the rain for an extended period of time this morning? You look washed as fuck, bro. Kai. <laughs> Damn. Wow,
0: Our viewers viewers are just assassinating us. Yeah.
1: I mean, if the shoe fits, what am I going to do about it? You know, and I do have gross toes under that shoe because they tell the story of my life. Phil McKagan coming in hot, Luke. Uh, Wow. Luke, uh, breaking news from the University of Colorado at Buffalo. Phil McKagan has been named assistant head football coach in year one here, Luke.
0: Awesome. So happy for him. Shouts, shouts. Dude, congratulations. What a great guy.
1: We love you, brother. Well done. Well done, okay? We love that guy. All right, let's finish off with, uh, hey, guys, during Monday's resume review, Brian Campbell's shit out of his mouth once again. He keeps on claiming that Max Holloway's odd interview with Bisping is what got him pulled out of the short-notice fight with Habib right behind me here at 223. You're dead wrong, you goof. Max got pulled from fighting Habib because Nysak said the weight cut was too dangerous. The interview with Bisping... Got Max pulled from his original bout, International Fight Week, against Ortega that was supposed to take place in July of 2018. Oh. You've been dead wronged on this before. How do you keep getting it wrong? Wake the fuck up. Wow. Yeah, bro. <laughs> They're right, dude. I did, I did F that up in real time. Uh, that, that was a rough year. So, so to see Max end that year by doing what he did to Ortega, it was like, damn, this guy's a superhero. This is Randy Couture from Hawaii, Luke. Right?
0: Indeed. Thank you.
1: Uh, We close quickly with the fan subs that we never hit here. Luke, hopefully this gives us a bang on the way out. This one's from Anthony. Hi, MK family. It's Anthony from Chicago, emailing the boys for my third fan submission. You may not remember, but my second was last year when my girlfriend V took me to her home country of Ecuador. Back then I made her a promise that I would propose once MK hit 100,000 subscribers. Well, I've made good on that promise. This past Saturday, the 18th, I got down on one knee. And I asked V to be my wife. I rented a private sailboat and proposed on Lake Michigan with the Chicago skyline in the background. To add a cherry on top, I made sure the Orchids of Combat were with us on our special day. As our family continues to grow, we will sure to bring MK along for the ride. It's not a good parenting move. Uh, Thank you for everything you do. P.S. See you boys at IFW. We are taking a family vacation to Vegas and we'll be at the Friday live show. Take good care. It's Anthony. Luke, that's some wholesome shit right
0: there. That is wholesome. You don't think he did the Captain Stabbing bit and then chucked her? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, dude, he wore our shirt to his engagement moment. That's incredible.
0: No, I, I'm making a stupid joke about 90s pornography, but uh, that is truly a, a wonderful moment. By the way, he went all out for the proposal. That is that, the, Renting a boat, I have learned, is not cheap. It's not, not like running an bro. Uber.
1: Uh, congratulations, Anthony and V. Really, yes. Major congratulations.
0: Uh, congratulations.
1: Great, great. And great, you know, story continuation in this, in this narrative that you're painting. I, I enjoyed that. All right, this one's from Danny. Good morning, fellas. I'm a day one-er. Here's a combo, donk, DM, and fan sub all in one to save some time. Me and the wife are expecting our second child in January, and she gave me the gift of my life with my first UFC live event on Father's Day we met more MK Donks while we were there and even sat behind a guy wearing a Guar t-shirt BC doesn't know nothing about that Guar on fr- <laughs> yeah, dude, they got that that mouth, and then the guy comes through the mouth. Yeah, I know a little bit about Guar. On Friday's show, LT and AB spoke about how UFC champs don't have real leverage, and that, for example, fans wouldn't be too mad if Aljo got Aljo, sorry, got sk- stripped and Dillashaw and Jan fought for the vacant belt. Are there any current UFC champs where that isn't the case, where the outcry of the fans would be larger than the want of a fight between the next two guys in line? For example, Francis gets stripped, Jones and Stepe fight for the vacant title. MK all day.
0: There's virtually up. no champ, I would say that's that, that that would be true for.
1: Are you okay with Danny like like first of all, congratulations on the on the the bun in the oven. Thank you for, you know, going and representing MK and happy Father's Day, but then using this sub moment to ask Luke an unpaid question like in your chat where you have to pay like 10 bucks to get your that's I mean that's a great scam, Luke. I love it. That's a great scam, but um are you okay with that?
0: With your stupid assessment of what I do on my private YouTube channel? No, I'm yes. not okay with that. Uh, take,
1: take it to OnlyFans if you really want it to take off, Luke. But you're going to have to take uh, off. I will say I took <laughs> you know my pregnant
0: I mean? wife to a dying fetus show, so I can hardly talk.
1: That's true. That's true. All right. Uh, Jesse G is here. Hey, what's going on, Luke and BC? Making it look easy. I was killing some time at my local Big Lots store in the Clarence DVD <laughs> bin like a true degenerate, and yeah, I found this say. gem. What the fuck were you doing outside? Smoking <laughs> meth in the parking lot? supreme champion with UFC stars Stefan Bonner, Sean Shirk, Gilbert Melendez, and more. And it was only 75 cents. Love the show, guys. Keep it up. Dude, I cannot tell
0: you, there was a period there, like, post-UFC 100, where every MMA fighter was making B, not even B movies, like D movies, straight to DVD shitholes, and all of them were like, fight to live, or, you know...
1: Dude, WWE was doing so many of those. They built their own movie studio to put them out. They do those with every wrestler. It's it's there's a backlog that's ridiculous, and they don't all suck, Luke. They're all like, like if it's not if it's not Randy Orton, it would have been Billy Blanks in that spot, right? No, would have been a janitor. These all sucked
0: complete ass. All right, all right.
1: Um, I would watch that movie, by the way, with you and do an MK watch, uh, you know, homework reaction, Luke. I would do
0: that. Would you? Oh, you know what? We should do like a mystery science theater thing where we pick like. Hey, remember that time fucking, you know, uh, I don't know, Fart Sack McSniffer was was the former UFC middleweight was in a movie and it's called, you know, like uh, Caged Innocence or some dumb shit and then we have to watch it. Yeah, I'd I'd do that.
1: I mean, how, how how deep down the fighter roster would you consider Dakota Cochran classics?
0: That's a different kind of program.
1: Okay, let's keep it going here, Luke. <laughs> don't I mean, I'm just the messenger of the humor, Luke. Don't I mean, don't attack the, uh, you know, please. Oh, humor. So, is that
0: what you're doing? Yeah,
1: sorry. Uh, dude, Saul is a regular here. The wife and I went to New York City for the first time this weekend. The flight was canceled and had the choice, I'm sorry, the flight was canceled, had the choice of to either road trip it from Kentucky for 12 hours or lose a bunch of money on a hotel room that was non-refundable. We went though, had a great time, ate expensive food and saw some stuff. And b- even bought some weed, but I was missing my weekly art. So I filled the void with a trip to the Modern Museum of Art and the following day, the Wax Museum. Here are some of the stuff I think you'd all like a Picasso. What did you, pe- call,
0: that, what did you call the museum? Uh,
1: wa- he said it was a, the M- Museum of Modern Art. And yeah, I thought you said day, the first
0: time, but yes, the MoMA, I think.
1: And the following day, the wax. I've never been to either, but I, I should. I should go, Luke. I'm a big I went to Madame
0: where. Tussauds one time. I yeah. I don't know how they're in business. It's the fucking worst experience ever.
1: All right. Well, Luke, he's posing next to Arnold Schwarzenegger there in the wax museum. You into that? For, for Saul? He's like a regular around these fans. I do love Luke. Saul,
0: and I appreciate him uh, arting it up. But Madame Tussauds, I, I'm not sure that's exactly where he went, but you know that's sort of the famous hey look at these hey look at these wax figures that that bear vague resemblance to famous people but when when i say vague what they more look like is what you know uh a fever dream of some kind of cyborg race of uh i don't know overlords would i mean it's it it, 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 it's it's not in any way a pleasant experience and they don't really look like the people they say it looks like and even if they did it's like
1: oh luke let people have their fun at the damn wax museum it's like oh here's a wax
0: museum and it looks like i don't know make up somebody up joe biden looks like joe okay here i'm next to a wax statue that looks like joe biden why do i give a fuck like what what does what does that mean
1: I, I would argue the real Joe Biden is kind of a wax statue. Look. Yeah, about to I would say. Argue. Right. Would,
0: would the would the Madame Tussauds Joe Biden also fall off a bike? I don't know.
1: Uh, This is from Hurricane Aug. The attached meme was inspired by the bits and pieces of Encanto I was able to catch over the shoulder of the lady watching at my flight this past weekend. It depicts BC in his very own BBL. (laughs) Only for him, it stands for Big Bicep Latina. I wanted to include an alternate version with Abuela and the donk on your staff with the granny fetish. That's filthy Phil, dude. Uh, So anyone who remembers that creep's name can feel free to steal my idea. Anyway, hope you all get a good kick out of my art and remember to stay frosty. Luke, they are talking about filthy Phil. We met his roommate the other day, randomly. And I was like, way too into it. Luke. I'm like, Oh my God, you live with Phil. Yeah.
0: That's- Dude. Phil is, I don't want to get fired by HR, but he is alarming. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's one of my favorite uh, downloadable characters in the greater MK doc arc. I'm trying to get him. All right, dude, this like show is
0: going on fucking two and a half hours. Can we wrap this it's up? So good though, right now.
1: Right. It's sort of like, you know, I shouldn't no, have the extra piece not. of cake, it's but it's just, on so you know, long. Just, we did like just,
0: 50 yeah. minutes on the PFL. <laughs> what for?
1: All right. You want, you want to just end it here? We'll do these. We'll add these to next Wednesdays. Luke. All right.
0: No, no, we can finish it off. All
1: right. Adam says, Hey donks, after Luke's early live chat this week, it had me cracking up. <laughs> at the mic issues, so I had to drop a few memes. First up is fellow former Marine Frank Castle, a.k.a. the Punisher, yes. embodies Luke's energy as he repeats for us to wait and hold on as he clicks around his computer like my four-year-old when he sneaks into my own office. I know, these office. assholes
0: think that my problems are because f- I'm fucking completely computer illiterate. The problem is because I have gear that is a little too advanced. But uh, what are you going to do with the, the reputation? Well, you, you were putting I'm out, like,
1: hostage video updates. I, I enjoyed those, Luke. Those were good. All right, next you, after dr-
0: you don't like my success. You cheer for my failure, which I find no, highly annoying. I'm not annoying. like your but family. You Come do?
1: on, Luke. I'm your real family, okay? Thank you. Uh, next, after dropping some of the casual <laughs> listeners, we God have a live God. look at all the P1s that hung around and finally got decent audio. Keep yeah. your head up, Luke. You guys still have better AV than Ariel and DC did in their entire run and they were bankrolled by the House of Mouse. Wow, that's Adam talking right here, not BC. Wow, Luke.
0: Wow. I, was that true? Did they have tech issues?
1: I I uh, I don't know. I didn't, wasn't a big fan of that show. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean, just kidding, just kidding. I mean, I all was right, asking right.
0: that in a nice way, but okay.
1: Uh, Brennan is here with a Ioana fan sub. Let's see if this gets us uh, in trouble, Luke.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it will. I think it will. All right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, look, you know. Dude, okay. I want to point out. I want to point out, by the way, you post pictures on your like your Twitter, like your 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 uh, your head header image and then your thing of everyone you've ever worked with, except me. (laughs) You have like Barry Tompkins, Rashad, Paulie Malinaji, Luke is nowhere to be found in any of those shits,
1: bro. One day, though, I'll surprise you, Luke, okay? it will be a big moment. It'll be a big day, okay? Maybe I'll just put a picture of you I've up. never That's seen it. you so
0: happy to not be pictured with me. It's like, wow, this fucking guy. He I is... spent a
1: lot of time with you, Luke. We got enough love and back and forth. That's true. Right, that is true. Right. That's, fair. That's um, fair. At Ben Ballard TX, he says, Bert and Ernie, the MK crew, and the MK crew, when I say I'm going to catch up on my shows while on the plane, I mean it a little differently than most. Here's me catching up on MK while on the way to altitude, for jump number 214, holy this shit! this weekend I earned a C license in skydiving, and last weekend, after 13 long years, my BJJ black belt. Cheers wow. from Dallas, and keep up the good work, it's Ben Ballard. Wow, look at that American, Luke.
0: Amazing, Bro, right? where are you going to get more injuries from? Jiu-jitsu after all those years it took to get the black belt, or falling out of a plane when the parachute doesn't open? It's probably neck and neck.
1: Shout out to this guy. Look, I, I I still want to skydive. Would you do it with me? If Yes, if I would.
0: I... So here's the thing. I've actually never I've, I've done a lot. I've jumped I've jumped out of a helicopter before. I've done that. I've fast-roped. Uh I've never done skydiving. I have never done it. Okay. I would do that. Yes. Well, let's get Showtime to pay for it then. I'm there. Yes, if Showtime right? pays for it, we'll do it.
1: Okay. Okay. Wait, but you have to have a tandem. So it's like a large guy with his arms around your waist, right? I um,
0: how, what if they put you and me back to butt just fucking the whole way down? <laughs> I want to, yeah, okay, I'll stop there.
1: We would get fired if I kept that going.
0: All right, this is from uh,
1: Danger Mouse. Hi, BC, it's Danger Mouse again, starting with just, starting with you just being
0: you. Yeah, BC just loves, I I think what they're joking is how long you take to do this shit. Oh, no, no, you're saying you're faster, but this isn't more efficient. This is much slower.
1: Uh, It's just a distraction, though, says Danger Mouse. I have something special for you this week, a meme in two parts. Almost six months in the making from original template to today's submission. This meme needed a story, but it would have been too long for you to read out. However, thanks to the great guys at Castle Labs, I was able to make that story into something special. So a huge shout out to them. I'm giving you fair warning, though. This is going to be some amazing foreplay followed by a potentially disappointing climax. Okay, production team, roll it.
0: And they're rolling it. Episode CCLXXIV. I I don't know enough there to do that. And
1: no sound here. This should have the Star Wars music, but Luke. It was a dark
0: time in the MMA media. The revelation breaks that Dana White is a Sith Lord bent on taking over the whole world. The horror is only increased by the terrible news that the fans of Morning Combat have fallen under his sinister spell. All right, with no other choice available to them. Our heroes, the Jedi, Luke Delta Eight Thomas, and his heroic <laughs> gas station food smuggler companion, Brian Black Liver Campbell, have fought the final battle. <laughs> Here we go. Emerging victorious, they must be sure that none of the fallen are pretending to be dead. Oh, fuck. Where is this going? Okay. Can you fast forward this part, please? Yes. Anakin, I mean, this I show is ground. interminable. Yes. All right. Can you blow it up? Can you blow it up? How do we know if they're actually dead or just pretending to be dead? I watched Volk versus Max 49 times. Ha, 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 ha.
1: Are you... They have you... uh, uh, Yeah, in that last you got me stabbing
0: one of those guys, which I take. Yeah, yeah,
1: you're stabbing him, all right, Luke. You know what I'm saying? Wow, all right, more more like tossing his galactic salad, Luke. Right? I mean, what's going on right over there? Okay, uh, you know what I mean? It's let's keep it going here. Thank you, Danger Mouse. Thank you. Uh, Our final fan sub, and then we can finally end this epic. This is at least a top 50 show all time, Luke. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sean says this one is recorded with the awesome chef at my local bar. His wife drops some philosophy regarding Brian's art and makes it clear that Japan is ready to welcome the Donk Show anytime you're ready. Wow, can we restart this and blow it up? I gotta see this. I gotta, re-see, I gotta see this live. Did you see the Risen show?
0: I'm gonna Rising. really hope. that I have not seen this to this point. I am you desperately sure hoping this is not racist.
1: Sakura was shit hot. Whoa, whoa.
0: Yeah, this, this is just this is,
1: this is a little dicey look.
0: This is fair satire, but this is uncomfortably close to racism for me. <laughs> okay, we've got the idea. We've got the idea here. Thank you for that submission. Good to go. Appreciate it. On to the next. That's nice. <laughs> No need to go further. Point taken. We don't do I rising mean, coverage very well here. Fine, fine.
1: At this point, at this point, we could show that circus freak getting eaten by the snake. Right at this point, right? Just show <laughs> yes. it already.
0: I mean, just go out in a blaze of glory. Let's just show pornography. Fuck it. Let's just have All a right.
1: day. Hey, Luke, I did want to shout out uh, Abner Morris, Showtime Championship Boxing. He hasn't fought in four and a half years. He had the eye injury. He almost fought Tank Davis and it fell apart. He's back on the Andy Ruiz pay-per-view undercard in september against a live body in moises flores luke it's been a long time coming you know
0: i hope i hope abner does well he had a great uh career for a long time and this show has gone on far too long (laughs) you like
1: my abner morris bandana luke dude
0: can you Mm. i mean dude we're at two hours and 20 minutes of commercial free shit can we please for the love of god call it a day
1: all right let's put it let's put an end to this luke for our great staff, Gaff, Corey, all is the... Is this uh, what you Mormon wore on guys.
0: January 6th?
1: <laughs> this is my tribute to Mexican boxing. Leo, Santa ah. Cruz, Abner, Morris. They had two of the greatest battles of the modern era here, Luke, okay? For my great staff and team, for Luke, the Vaporator Thomas, remember, take care of this, okay? Stay happy, stay healthy. Enjoy the weekend, enjoy the fights. And remember also, may all your hoes... No, wait, forget it. They'll never be loyal. We out. Oh, Luke Thomas, too. Thanks, Luke. Thanks.